welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Sunday night. Maybe Monday morning when you're listening to this because this is the week one NFL recap show. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. We are not going to talk Antonio Brown on today's podcast for once. Hallelujah. If you want to check out our emergency Antonio Brown podcast, we actually have, um, I believe, like four of them. One, two, three, four. Yes, we have four emergency Antonio Brown podcasts. We have more Antonio Brown content than you could ever want or ever need. And you can get that by going to our Apple podcast page and subscribing to the podcast. A couple of other things to note. If you want to join the Pick 6 Podcast Facebook group, go to Facebook.com, search for Pick 6 Podcast. Two things will pop up. One is the page. I highly recommend you like that because the social media team does an incredible job with memes and funny things and, 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 and it's a terrible way to describe it, but it's a great entertaining page. Uh, and then I would also recommend you request to join the private Facebook group where if you post a question about your fantasy football team, uh, your children, beer you should drink, uh, maybe you want to do a poll on who's the best super friend. Somebody did that. Uh, Sean won, of course. But, uh, no, you didn't win, Sean. Get out of here. Get out of here. He, thought he, thought he thought he won. That's so sad. Um, I won. Uh, if you want to do any of those things, you can, and I will answer any of your questions. You will get a personalized response from me. I'm waiting for Breach to join because I figure he's the guy who might jump on it. Ryan, I know you're not going to pop in there and hang out. You're certainly not going to show up and be like, hey, everybody, what's going on? Just got watch the Steelers get blasted 33 to 3. Saw my dreams about Big Ben winning another title. Go up and smoke. Hey, how are you guys doing? Like, you're not going to do that. Um, Moral victory. I'm going to steal John's moral victory. <laughs> I beat John in fantasy football today. Oh, I beat Brinson. And it's because he had James Conner, who thankfully didn't show up. Um, yeah, that, that was a whooping. But, look, I, I've been saying this for ever since the schedule came out. They're not going to win in Foxborough. The only time they win in Foxborough is when Matt Castle's starting. And that was 2008. And he's getting strip-sacked every other play by James Harrison. It, we knew what was going to happen. The Steelers mixed it up and played man coverage, and Tom Brady exploited them. And I made a few notes throughout the the Sunday games just because I knew we were going to talk about this stuff. Here's the first note I made for the Pittsburgh-New uh, England game. Note one, stupid-ass punt with 10-24 to go in the second quarter on, <laughs> uh, on fourth and inches. It was 10 to nothing at the time. The last note I made, stupid decision to kick from the one with 10-19 to go in the third. It was 20 to, th- 20 to nothing. They kicked the field goal 20 to three at the time. And uh, my player of the game for the Steelers was Dante Moncrief, who dropped 47 balls. Uh, it was actually 48, but one was called back because of a penalty. Uh, the offense was an absolute poop show. Uh, the defense actually, you know, they got exposed by Brady two or three times, and that happens when you play. I don't care who you are when you when you play Tom Brady. I thought they were they were fine. They were average. They were C minus. The the offense was F. The coaching was F. And um, here's the other thing, and this applies to the entire week of football, Sunday football, even the Thursday night game, which wasn't very good either. We have to be careful about overreacting after seeing some truly terrible football. The Patriots are legit. We know that. Yes. Their defense is way better than I thought they were going to be. That's the takeaway. That to oh, me is we the now takeaway. know that. Um, another takeaway to be sort of concerned about, if you're the Steelers who are hosting the, the Seahawks next week, they had, they had four all-pros go off at some point. Joe Hayden, um, uh, Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster limped off at the very end. when he limped off. Mike Tomlin, for whatever reason, is having been out there chunking the ball around down 33-3. Take a knee, get on the bus, and take your well, you fat, made the same. fat pizza face and go home. <laughs> Both you and Sean will pay, will pay for the fat pizza face comment. But, uh, yeah, the overall takeaway is 
I'm not I, concerned about this loss. What? We all tweeted that picture of Big Ben. I didn't. Okay, you didn't. But the, the, that's how I feel I look like on Sundays. <laughs> like on Sunday night when I go to bed, I've eaten a bunch of pizza and I drink a lot of IBAs. I've been working all day on my couch. That's but how I, I think I look. I, what are IBAs? IPAs. Oh, okay. I thought you were made up in your beer. But I'm currently, uh, currently drinking because I know everybody cares. It's uh, it's beer, it's beer talking season, Ryan. Currently mm-hmm. drinking a uh, Master Shredder three from the Vale Brewing in Richmond. Hard to get beer. Very so I'll reiterate. Um, don't put too much stock in if your team got smoked this this week. Except, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead here because I'm g- genuinely curious. Um, the Patriots go to Miami next week where they struggle. Okay. Is, is it going to be a situation where that spread is going to be minus, uh, 20 points? <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's 16 and a half. It was originally 13 or 14. Sweet mercy. And it's going to come out 16 and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Dolphins in a minute. They were um, worse than the Steelers somehow. There's that little noise. They're the only team that has a full-on mutiny right now. That's all we need to know about the Dolphins. That That is happening, right? Did we write about that yet? Or were you saying that was that your late Sunday night Traffic monster post. Mike Florio talked about it Sunday night on on NBC, and then okay, so I can delete that. I had that tweet open. I can delete that then since Breach has already written about it. I don't know if he has or not, but someone had, wrote about it. I don't yeah. like writing about mutinies. I've seen enough Pirates of the Caribbean movies <laughs> that just kind of let it be. It's not my business. And you say that while wearing a pirate hat, which is really weird. <laughs> and you can't prove he's not wearing a pirate hat. And no, an eye look, patch. I mean, look, I uh, I picked the Steelers in this game not to win, but to to cover. Well, I don't shake your head at me. I'm just telling you what I did. I bet on the Steelers. I maybe when they got the five to one on the money line, I may have bet on them again, which is stupid. <laughs> Way stupid. Uh, yes. I knew they were going to cover. Six well, I, well, I didn't know that. Okay, I convinced myself that Big Ben was going to come out. He's going to be motivated and he was going to dominate. Uh, what sort of messed up is that as you were watching Tom Brady winging it around to Josh Gordon, who looked freaking awesome, Jacoby Myers, who made a really nice catch, Great James catch. White's doing stuff out of the backfield. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle is running fine, but they didn't really need him because they plugged in Rex Burkhead and ran him a bunch. As you're watching all of this unfold, all you could think about was, this team's adding Antonio Brown? Are you kidding me? So, like, what, Sean, what's the upside for this Patriots team? I mean, well, what I was going to say is, oh? We were also focused on the offense that I actually thought their defense was the most impressive part of the night. And I watching this game. But that's part of that's part of what I'm asking you. Ryan and I both said that the defense is freaking awesome. Sean's pulling yes. I'm asking you for the a general upside of the whole Patriots team. Sean, you just you're pulled a classic Brinson move where you brought me. up something that had already been brought up. Twice. Okay. Well, this is a bad question. You're asking me what the upside of the Patriots team is? The upside is they win the Super Bowl because that's what's going to happen. That's what it? do you mean? Of course the upside is they win the Super Bowl. They might have 19. I'm saying what's the upside for the regular season record? Not the Super Bowl. 14 and 2. God damn it, Sean. All right, John, what's the upside for this Patriots team? I don't know if you're allowed well, to Well, I'll tell it. you. So I have a good friend who is uh, a huge Patriots fan, lives in Boston. He literally texts me as soon as this game ended, and he's like, 16 and 0, baby, 16 and 0. You want to get on top of it? Write an article about how the Patriots are going to go 16 0 and get that stuff out by tomorrow morning. He wasn't even joking. Dead serious. Rob, I got your text. I didn't, I'm not ignoring you, but 16 0 is a little obnoxious. You didn't reply to him? <laughs> I know you're adding Antonio Brown, but I'm not buying 16 0 yet. I like Sean said 14 and 2. I think that because it is once you quench home field advantage, Belichick is huge on home field advantage. You'll absolutely want that. But once they have that, 
you know, they've got two divisional games to end the season. Bills, Dolphins, both those teams will want to win. I don't know if the Dolphins starters could beat the Patriots or Stringers, but if the Patriots are resting people at that point, those are both losable games. Uh, and, and they could wrap up home field advantage by week, whatever that is against the Chiefs, I think week 13. So I'll say 14 and two also. Yeah, look at this. If you look at their schedule. So they by, the way, a ball- by the way, just, just for the record, that was an awesome answer breach to the question that I asked. It was a terrible question. It was a great, it was a great it was question. A terrible for question. They're going to win anywhere between 12 and 15 games like they do every single season. All right. Is that your point? Thank Can you. I- thank you. Next. All okay. right. So week give nine. Us, give week us nine. Break, give us, no, 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 no. Give us a breakdown of their defense now. Why is it so great? Why are you so thrilled about their defense? We're excited for you and your, your brilliant little football mind. Tell us why they're great. I just think that this Patriots team like is the most complete team in football. And I think in years past, we've been able, why are you shaking your head at me? I'm just laughing at you. You're just ridiculous. It went, they went 16 and 0 in 2007, Sean. More complete than that team. Well, I wasn't born then, so you can't hold that against me. Can I make a point really quick? Uh, I'm wondering if Antonio Brown, who was in the New England area, is realizing that the Patriots don't need him. Like, they, they're going to win just as many games with him as without. Did Stephen O say that the win difference was 0.4 with the addition of Antonio Brown? I feel like when it came out, because I mean, it's either, you know, it's 15 or 15.4, the win total expectation. And I think that gives him a shorter leash. And someone made the point uh, during the course of all the Antonio Brown nonsense that if you can't play for Mike Tomlin, who's a super duper players coach, or John Gruden, who obviously caters to players, yeah. I don't think it's going to work in New England. But that doesn't matter because Josh Gordon absolutely dominated. Julian Edelman absolutely dominated. Rex Burkhead looked like Walter Payton out there, or Curtis Martin, if you want a, a Patriots reference. I don't think Antonio Brown is. People were cheering crazily before the game when when um. Chris Collinsworth was doing the pregame show. I don't think Antonio Brown matters. It's just a you, what, what purpose does it serve? It's like having Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady as your quarterback. At some point, it doesn't matter. And Ryan, I'm well. I'm glad he brought that up. I'm glad Ryan just mentioned that because here's the thing: Antonio Brown. How's he going to feel if he doesn't matter? How's he going to feel when he's not getting 15 targets a game? Because you look at how, what the Patriots did in this game. It's kind of what they do every game. Tom Brady gave 11 targets to Julian Edelman because he always knows where Julian Edelman is going to be on the field. They just have that connection. Then you look at the next player who just plays wide receiver. Now look at the running backs. At the wide receiver position, the next highest target number was four. Do you think Antonio Brown is going to be happy with four targets per game? Or do you think he's going to take his helmet off that he hates and throw it at Tom Brady after three straight weeks of only getting four targets? Because I think it's the second one. The the thing I would say is that I think him being less important to the Patriots and him knowing that will make him behave because he knows that they're not going to put up with his nonsense because they don't need him. Whereas all these other teams in the past have put up with it because they they feel like they have to have him on the field. And the Patriots know they don't have to have him on the field. Antonio Brown is watching this being like, oh, man, like this team does not need me. They're doing just fine without me, that I feel like he's not going to have at least any of the off-the-field antics because he knows that if he does that, they're just going to cut him. I think I think there's maybe a middle ground here, and just really quickly on this, and I actually do want to talk more about what Sean's I – mean, I was kind of messing with you. I was obviously messing with you, Sean. I think the defense looks really good. Like the defense looks – and I do wonder, is this Shades of 2007? And I know we're one weekend, and this sounds so stupid, but they just pounded, pounded – the Steelers 
33 to 3. In Gillette Stadium, though. That's what you have to realize. That's fine, but Ben. And also, Brent, one more thing before you go on. The Steelers are always terrible first game of the season because they're always underprepared. And they, people yell about Tomlin. And Why didn't you tell me that? Why didn't you tell me that when I bet all my money on the Steelers? Because you were making fun of me about something that I didn't appreciate. Okay. Well, that crap. Um, <laughs> I would have taken the Patriots. Much like, uh, Dan Lifshatz and Joe Murray were like hammering the Patriots. And I was like, I'm already in on the Steelers. I'm doubling down. And I didn't know. Anyway, I had the under hit. It's fine. Um, I will say this. So, one, the Shades of 2007 thing, when you look at what that defense did, I mean, the 2007 defense was very good. It's just that the Patriots would just put up tons of points. Uh, the other correlation here, I think, is the diva wide receiver who everyone assumed was toast that came over from the Raiders. I mean, I'm not, I, I, we, we all said that Randy Moss and Antonio Brown is not a fair comparison. I agree, but there are similarities with coming from the Raiders. And when you look at the Philip Dorsett role, right? Tonight he had four catches on four targets for 95 yards and two touchdowns. If that's just if Antonio Brown just takes that job, he'll be fine with that. No, wait a second. Let me ask you guys this. Um, and you know this is a saying you hear all the time: the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. What in Antonio Brown's past has shown us that he will be willing to take less? Time and time again, he does not care about whether the team wins or loses. He cares about stats. He cares about business booming. He cares about putting stuff on social media and making money. And look. We all heard all this talk about how Bill Belichick can fix him. Bill Belichick cuts a bunch of buttholes who don't work out. Albert Hainsworth. Um, he's cut guys before that he's brought up. Chad Ochocinco didn't get cut, but he don't had very little. Don't bring my man Ochocinco now. Don't you, don't you bring my man Ochocinco. But the one thing Ochocinco, I'm glad you brought him up, is because he had trouble kind of grasping the Patriots' right. offense, and it wouldn't be a shock if Antonio Brown went that route. By the way, this is an Antonio Brown free podcast. We just went to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and Sean. Okay, no more. John are, are on like, oh, he can change. I'm not convinced he can. Well, and I also just I, 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 don't, I think I think there's a range of outcomes. I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's possible the whole thing blows up. But I think there is a range of outcomes where, I mean, like there oh, there is an alternate reality where he he keeps it in check because it's the Patriots and he plays really well all season. And like Sean said, he knows he's going to get paid. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Like I'm telling every, I told everybody, I told him on the emergency podcast, I tell him again. If you got Antonio Brown in fantasy, you should trade him. Like Julio Jones had a terrible day on Sunday for the Falcons. Devontae Adams had a terrible day on Thursday for the Packers. Go offer I so a, a podcast listener DM me was like, I just traded Antonio Brown straight up for Devontae Adams. Was that good? I was like, hell yes. I got another buddy who's trying to who packaged um uh what did he pack? I can't remember what it was, but he basically packaged um Trade for Dak Prescott. Well, let's talk about that. Do you want to add anything? Wait, can I add something on the defense? Yes. Um because we still haven't talked about it. Um I find What's really scary to me about them having a good defense is that they've been to three of the last five Super Bowls or the last three Super Bowls. Um, and five, five of the last nine because I've covered them all. And the Patriots have been there for five of them. So anyways, and you go look at how good their defenses have been in all those championship runs. They haven't been that great. So last year they were 16th in DVOA. The year before that, 31st. The year before that, 16th. And then two straight 12th finishes. Yeah. So the idea that if this team suddenly has a top five, even just top 10 defense by DVOA, I think that's really scary. Yeah, and the thing about the Patriots defense, too, is that usually it bumps up and, like, they're they're not great in yard, yards allowed, but they buckle down in the red zone because they're technically sound and they play good assignments and they and they close their gaps and they're smart all, and they're, they're smart players. Um, and they and get better, like, as the season goes As the season goes along. Like, this team last year got was great in the in the playoffs, um, and they look awesome out of the gate. And the guys on the back end are giving – like, Ben Ben was running around, like, just looking downfield and no one r- running, yeah. No one could get open. Here's the Patriots' next – 
Uh, six. I'm going to give you the Patriots' next eight games before their week 10 bye. You'd stop me when you hear their first loss. At Dolphins, Jets, at Bills, at Redskins, Giants, at Jets, Browns mm-hmm. at home, at Ravens. Maybe. And the maybe Ravens. maybe nope. the Browns are at the at the Ravens. Maybe the Browns. Belichick will eat up Lamar Jackson. I'm very, I'll be interested. That's a guarantee. Well, you know, you know, you know who he might actually eat up, and we need to move on. So let's get to the next game. He might actually eat up Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield got his. I don't know what lunch I was going to say. His lunch handed to him. That's much better than the thing that I was going to say. Um, I was going to say something about eating, and it was going to come out very poorly. Uh, he got his lunch handed to him, Ryan, by the Tennessee Titans. Actually, Sean, forty-three to thirteen. You live blogged this game for CBSSports.com and wrote an excellent recap piece. Actually, stole like a, a quasi stole a line of yours for my sorting the Sunday power recap. You had like you pointed out that even though the Browns might like the Browns might have the best trio like Baker, Chubb, and and OBJ on the field, but all three of the all three of the players for the Titans were better on Sunday, right? Yeah, and it's and these two teams a year ago were actually not that dissimilar. I mean, the Titans went nine and seven, just missed the playoffs. The Browns went seven, eight and one, and just missed the playoffs. But they had completely different off seasons in terms of like what we were talking about. You know, the Browns were the most hyped team probably in football after the Odell trade, and the Titans just kind of existed. And even after Andrew Luck's retirement, I feel like we didn't spend that much time talking about the Titans and how they could win the division. It was about uh Jacoby Brissett and. Can Nick Foles be better than Blake Bortles? And you, then you look at what happens when these two teams meet on Sunday, and it's the Titans who have the better quarterback. Marcus Mariota, I thought, was brilliant. Um, he didn't really make a single mistake. He averaged over 10 yards per attempt. Uh, Derrick Henry was the big play running back that he's shown the ability to be in small batches, and he turned one screen into a 75-yard touchdown. They had a rookie receiver, um, A.J. Brown, who looked incredible. Um, and so this was, and I think I, I even mentioned the defense and I thought the defense was probably the most impressive part. I didn't even think Baker was necessarily that bad through three quarters. They just manhandled the Browns offensive line the entire game and he was under constant duress. And then once the Titans kind of pulled away towards the end, Baker just completely melted down and had one of those, I don't know, like a Jay Cutler type of, I'm losing, screw it, I'm just going to throw the ball in the double coverage type of fourth quarter. So they just kind of bullied the Browns, I felt like. did I I kind of thought A.J. Brown was smaller. Cause maybe that's just because he played with just cause he played with D.K. Metcalf. He, looked, he looked huge out there. <laughs> like, like, I guess it's just because he's always next to Metcalf because they both played at Ole Miss. I was, I was like, wait, that guy looks like an absolute monster out there. Like and, okay. And I believe that Tony Romo actually made the comparison. I, I don't want to steal this, but if you mentioned, but I think he called him uh, like a, uh, there was some sort of Anquan Bolden comparison made to AJ Brown. I mean, if the Titans found him as a steal in this draft. The Titans are a good football team if Mariota's playing well. And if well, pretty- that's the thing is that that's what got us all off their scent. Sean said we weren't talking about him. We weren't talking about him because Mariota was trash for the whole entire preseason. And we all thought in our head, this team is going to be exactly what they've been the last three years where the defense carries them. Mariota does just enough to get an eight and eight or nine and seven record. They've got nine and seven the past three seasons, and that's what's going to happen. And that's what we all thought. And no one thought Mariota was going to go and magically turn the page and throw three touchdown passes against the Cleveland Browns. That didn't even seem conceivable. And he came out of the game healthy, which doesn't seem believable because he gets injured or beaten up in every single game he plays. So like, if he, I think the two quarterbacks that we've talked about a lot are Mariota and Winston, and how this is obviously a huge year because neither of them are under contract going to next season. 
and they just had such opposite games. Like Mariota looked like a franchise quarterback today or Sunday. And if he continues to play like that, the Titans have to be considered the favorite in the AFC South. And also, we talk, we spend so much time hyping up Freddie Kitchens as this great play caller. And if you want to look at the offense that looked like they were drawing up the, you know, perfectly timed screens and protecting their quarterback and making sure it wasn't getting hit, it wasn't Freddie Kitchens. It was the Titans offensive coordinator, who I would imagine a lot of people can't even name. Hey, by the, by the way, the Titans came out a little hyped up because the Browns were getting all the buzz this offseason. And Delaney Walker, who caught uh, two, five catches for 55 yards and two touchdowns, afterwards had a little something to say. We circle this game. You know what I mean? we, this is just another game. We ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you again, man. They were who we thought they were. Y'all can crown them if you want to crown them. Still got to play football. That's yeah. That's uh, old Delaney Walker channeling his uh, inner his inner uh, Denny Green. R.I.P. to Denny Green. And by the way, just a quick throwback to the Patriots. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was asked, "Ben, your thoughts on Antonio Brown joining these guys now?" And he said, "Quote, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> that's the right response. Yeah. Uh, uh, one, one other thing I want to point out: Steve Wilkes, the stink, followed him from Arizona to Cleveland, where he's defensive coordinator. Uh, Arthur yeah. Smith. It killed him. First year play caller, who's by the way, his grandfather like is like is founded FedEx. So there was some concern about nepotism there in Tennessee. He ate his lunch in, in terms of play calling on offensive defense. And it was on both sides of the ball because I wanted to point out, and you talked about this at the time. Greg Robinson, left tackle for Cleveland, was cut and resigned to save money. He pulled it out Hainsworth and tried to kick somebody in the face. Got kicked out of the game. They brought in Lamb, the backup. He got hurt, had a knee injury, had to kick Hubbard, the right tackle, over to left tackle, and everything went south in a hurry before Hubbard got moved. Cam Wake went around him for a safety in the end zone. Baker hurt his arm. Uh, he threw a couple more interceptions after that. He didn't make excuses afterwards. And look, I give Baker credit for being like, yeah, we're a family. We don't care what you guys think. But he was saying all that crap during the, the offseason and leading up to, to this moment here. And the biggest issue after the offensive line was how does Baker and this team handle controversy and failure? Here we are week one. They got the doors blown off at home. After that first drive where they went up seven nothing, and the fans thought they were going to the Super Bowl, and we'll see how they bounce back. But I mean, this is what it's all about. Freddie Kitchens didn't do, didn't have a great day. Yeah, no. it, it's they have all these flashy skill guys and this flashy quarterback. But if you look at the problems, it was fundamental. So it's blocking and then penalties. They had 18 penalties for 182 yards, and I mean, one of the penalties was jumping offside on the third and four on defense. You have a penalty where the guy is getting ejected, as Ryan mentioned it. Um, so these were killer costly penalties, um, you know, allowing Tennessee to extend drives that just seemed like a poorly coached, poorly disciplined team, the kind of team that comes out thinking we're going to go into Super Bowl. And what's funny is that their one good drive, which was the first drive that ended in a touchdown, the first play should have been intercepted and the Titans just dropped it. Um, I, I, I do think like, I'll, I'll take, I'll take victory laps and I'm right. Cause you're not right a lot. And when you look, you mean, well, you're, look, you're not. Well, thanks. Um, skull, baby, skull. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I, I look. I think it's. Imp- I mean, I, I have no problem if you're a if you're an NFL writer and you take a victory lap um, on a situation when you call an outcome. And I shout out to John Breach who tweeted it to me. I didn't realize I was the only one who said the Titans were going to win this game outright. Nobody was picking them. Um, my primary logic behind picking the Titans breach was that I thought the. Brown's offensive line would be a problem. And I said this before the season on this podcast a bunch. The Brown's offensive line would be a problem. And I was worried that Freddie Kitchens, as a first year head coach, might have too much going on with the personalities. And I get it that like 
sometimes it's hard to look past the Browns being the Browns and the fact that, um, you know, they haven't won a, a week one NFL football game in 5,474 days. That's not fake. It's 2004. Jeff Garcia was the quarterback. They beat the Ravens. That was their last week one win in the NFL. It's been a rough 15 years for Browns fans. I don't think that them being bad for a long time guarantees they'll be bad this year, but there are more, there's more to overcome. Like a lot of times, Dave Gettleman says this. I, I mean, ironically, he said it about Odell Beckham too. Not that the Giants are good, but he said, you know, he said, look, like, it's not about, like, you're not building a fantasy football team. And I feel like that sort of breach, maybe how the Browns got a little more hype than they might have because it, they just got all the names and feels like, like a, like an Eagles Vince Young type of situation, maybe. Well, the problem with if you're the Browns, there's been all this hype and you're the factory of sadness is that it is so easy for the wheels to fall off the wagon. We talked about it a little bit this summer. If they come out and drop to 0-2, you know, if the Patriots go to 0-2, everybody's just like, oh, that's the Patriots. They're probably still going to win the Super Bowl. When you haven't been to the playoffs since 2002 and you're the Cleveland Browns and you've been trashed for 17 years and you go 0-2, you become the laughingstock of the lead. Everybody writes you off and people start doubting themselves in their locker room. So, like, it does not take much for things to fall apart in a sensitive locker room like this. And that's just what you are when all you know is losing. Every fan in that stadium who had high expectations probably walked out of that stadium in Cleveland and said, oh, my God, here we go again. I thought we were going to be good this year. We just lost by 30 points to the freaking Tennessee Titans. And now I don't even want to go any more games. So, I mean, it is amazing. And Sean talked about the offensive line, but that was the Browns' biggest issue. And that can't be your biggest issue. It's tough to be good if that's your biggest issue. And we saw what happens when you can't protect your quarterback. The Titans assaulted Baker Mayfield. They sacked him five times. And if, if Baker Mayfield's going to get beat up like that, he might not last the season. If he doesn't last the season, they have no chance of being good. He left, he left that game with a soft wrap on his, on his throwing hand. That is a big time. If they, if the, if the Browns lose Baker Mayfield, Ooh, buddy, it's going to be a problem. Um, and look, hey, look, three of their, ne- sorry, I'll let you go to the second round, but three of their next, uh, three of their next four games are on the road. They're scheduled before their week seven bye at Jets on Monday night. This next week is not, not a freebie. The Jets are a pretty good team. Rams at home Sunday night, not a freebie. We saw the Rams look pretty good on, on, in, in week one against the Panthers. Week four at the Ravens. Uh, probably six point dogs in that game. Week five at the 49ers. The 49ers didn't look awesome, but that's a long road trip and that's not a guaranteed win. Week six, Seahawks at home. Oh boy. Guess what's and, coming after the bye? <laughs> oh, I don't know, Sean. Would it be, uh, at the Patriots followed by at the Broncos? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm I didn't bet on the Browns under it. I'm so mad. It's such a slam dunk. They're not going to win nine games. This team's going to be 0 and 5 when we talk about firing Freddie Kitchens and how Lamar Jackson's better than Baker Mayfield. Can't you see it coming, people? I was, I was going to say, if we had to predict a headline about the Brown season, I would say right around week seven, Freddie Kitchens gives up play calling to focus on other aspects of coaching. If like somebody would have like- told you 24 hours ago that Lamar Jackson and Andy Dalton were going to be the two best quarterbacks in the AFC North in week one, would you have punched him in the face for saying something so dumb? <laughs> Yes, yes. I, would. I, would it. I just want to say quickly before we move on, Odell Beckham led the uh, Browns in receiving yards and also in wearing $350,000 watches while playing during the game. <laughs> so that happened, and that's just one of those little things that it seems idiotic and seems like it shouldn't happen and definitely wouldn't happen in a place like New England, but it makes a lot of sense that it would happen in Cleveland uh, on their way to getting absolutely housed by the Titans in the games that everyone thought the Browns were going to win. They also uh... – 
completely abandoned the running game in the first half. I want to say Nick Chubb had like four or five carries at halftime. And I mean, obviously then in the fourth quarter, they had to abandon the running game because they went down big, but it just, it felt like they got so pass happy and so into, we got Odell, we got Baker that they forgot that, you know, what can help a quarterback, you know, help an offensive line protect against a pass rush is being able to run the ball effectively. And they have a running back that so many of us have hyped up as one of the best running backs in football and they didn't really use them. Um, all right. Let's, uh, speaking of, I got to take a victory lap on the Titans. So you know what? I'm going to give a victory lap to somebody else. That's right, Sean. I'm going to give you a victory lap. Go ahead. Take your little dance. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The, Johnny, you, you thought I was going to pull a little fasten on you and not let you well, do it. Well, my, uh, I'll just get out ahead of this. Hold on. I'm going to I... set it up with the stats and score. Chiefs win 40 to 26 in Jacksonville. Nick Foles ruled out for the game very early with a broken collarbone after starting five of eight with 75 yards and a touchdown. Actually looked pretty sharp out there. Uh, I would assume that he's done for the year, although I guess he could be back in eight to 10, eight to 10 weeks. No. Yeah, I think some a little bit more than half a year. I think they're projecting. I guess Aaron Rodgers came back from a collarbone, but I said to Tony Romo, but it is, it's, 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 it's it's touch and go at best to come back with a collarbone injury. Uh, and if your team stinks, you shouldn't do it. Gardner Minshew filled in the first rookie to take a snap in 2019 at quarterback. 22 of 25 for the George Warren, former Washington State product, 275 yards, two touchdowns and interception. But, Sean, I'll let you take it away on Mahomes because he did not <clears throat> regress. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say he's on pace now after this game to throw for 6,000 yards. <laughs> and he's going to regress in touchdowns, only 48 this year. Uh What's funny is he actually should have – he missed a wide-open touchdown to Travis Kelsey because he tried to throw a no-look pass when a no-look pass wasn't even necessary, and he sailed it over Travis Kelsey's head by about 10 yards. I think he said he owes Travis Kelsey lunch now, um, yeah. missing that touchdown. But for me, it was about the degree of difficulty of the throws, which was not high. It's, Andy Reid was at his absolute best. Andy Reid off the bye. You know, we joke about he had a very long bye week to get ready for this game. And so many of Baker Mayfield's throws were wide open throws. Um, and you know, Sammy Watkins turned a 10 yard pass into a, was it a 69 yard touchdown? Um, so the reason why I don't think Mahomes is going to regress. And as this game demonstrates is Andy Reid just creates so many openings. And even if Tyreek Hill is hurt here, uh, for a couple of weeks, I think Sammy Watkins has proven that he can become their go to guy as long, along with Travis Kelsey. So. Uh, who, is, uh, who is Sammy Watkins better than, would you say, Sean? Uh, the guy in Miami. Uh, <laughs> he's Devontae got a... Parker. Is that... He had more. He's going to have more receiving yards in this game than Devontae Parker will have all season. Well, let, let's reset so people understand. Because back a, a month ago, you were yelling at me and Sean and probably John, too, that Sammy Watkins was going to be garbage this season. And Devontae Parker would have better stats than Sammy Watkins in 2019. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Really, you know what the, the, the S-y thing about this is? The bleepy the thing? I don't, I don't feel like making Debo bleep out a bunch of my cuss words this time around. Although I did listen back. The, uh, the F-bomb landed pretty well. The bleeped out F-bomb landed well from the, the <laughs> podcast. Um, here's the thing that sucks. I was, I drafted so much Sammy Watkins last year and he didn't do crap. And I, and I, and then like you guys got in my head because then I made that stupid statement about Sammy Watkins versus Devontae Parker. And I didn't draft any Sammy Watkins this year. I didn't, at least he, at least he wasn't on my bench. He was on my dad's bench. He was playing against me in fan, one fantasy league. I, if, if I played against, I had, I was up against him in like Deshaun Jackson in one league and it's just, it's over from day, from the first minute. Um, but like 
I think Ty- if Tyreek Hill misses three to four weeks, and maybe it's four to six weeks, or maybe it's six to seven weeks, I don't know. I think Sammy Watkins f- can fill that role if he can stay. If, so. if he, dude, nobody's ever questioned Sammy Watkins' skill level. He's healthy. Yeah, my question is health. I question whether he can play a full season and say well, health. Again, you didn't listen to me and what happened. Yeah, it didn't didn't work out. Is he a top fifteen fantasy receiver without I think he's yes. a top ten fantasy receiver without Tyreek Hill. If Tyreek Hill is out, he is going to be the wide receiver one in that offense. And here's the thing is that we were talking about this on CBS Sports HQ from one to four PM, which we did a scoreboard watch during the games. So twenty four seven Tribute Sports Network, you can watch it on Roku, Apple, Amazon Fire, TV, and CBSports.com slash live. Um free by the way um we uh we were talking about it and like dave richard was suggesting that the offense is going to fall off because of tyreek hill like that's not going to happen they have sammy watkins travis kelsey miko hardwin darwin thompson uh damian williams and michelle mccoy looked like the best running back and also patrick mahomes who looks really freaking good the one thing i'm going to say is mahomes hurt his ankle um i believe it was at the end of the first half he came back in and he played. He did not look 100% for the rest of that game, and the Chiefs definitely altered their play calling um, there. I mean, they were up big enough that they didn't have to really go you know, all out for points. So I'm a little bit concerned to see how that next week, once the adrenaline wears off and all that with his mobility. I don't think it's a long-term problem, but I could definitely see the Chiefs maybe restricting a bit of their calls if he's bothered by that ankle sprain. Well, the good news for Mahomes is that he basically has a bye next week because they're playing the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all you do is throw a few passes. You get up 35-7 to 7 by halftime, bench Mahomes in the second half, and then let him rest until that week three game against the Ravens. But the thing is, the Mahomes injury, I mean, that would be the one you're way more concerned about than Tyree yes. Kill. If Tyree yes. Kill missed the rest of the season, I think the Chiefs would survive. They might, instead of averaging 50 points a game, they might only average 47 points a game. But if you lose Mahomes, the season is over. I mean, it's the same as... Uh, you just can't lose him. It's not, it's like the Browns losing Baker Mayfield except times 10 because it's going to be way worse. Uh, and, uh, ankle injury is a tough one because those tend to kind of linger. And the more you're on it, it doesn't heal. And so if he's going to be practicing every day, then that's going to keep it from healing. And the flip side is if he skips practice and then plays in the game, I think he can do that against the Raiders. So this is a good week where you just, Hey, Patrick, you're not going to practice all week because you can beat the Raiders with one hand. Uh, but yeah, I think the ankle injury is definitely one to keep an eye on. In, uh, in, in, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, would you recommend cryotherapy for the foot or what would you <laughs> in, in sort of weird news. So like, Mahomes hurt his ankle and it looked like Matt Moore was going to have to be, come in. It was going to be Matt Moore versus, uh, Gardner Minshew, which is a real scorcher on CBS. Um, and, uh, but Miles Jack turned into a, a, a raving psychopath and like went nuts. Got ejected, was like arguing the ejection, and he took so long to be escorted out of the freaking stadium that Mahomes had time to have his entire ankle taped up, put his shoe back on, and go back on the field and play the next play. And I think he threw a touchdown pass. Um, the, 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 the Jaguars are toast. They're done. It's the same issue last year with that defense. And that's why I wasn't sure that they were going to have much of a chance against the Chiefs, just because the defense are a bunch of mental cases. Jalen Ramsey, um, Sammy Watkins got in his head. And, you know, it started with Miles Jack and, and, and ended with 40. You, Ryan, you're, uh, you're our resident draft expert, right? Yeah. Allegedly. Until Mike Mayock takes my job when he leaves, leaves over. <laughs> That's where he might have, he might have to come back to CBS. I could see that. 
Uh, Maybe I'll be the. Oh my God! What if Antonio Brown gets you fired? <laughs> I'd be the Raiders GM. I think would be the swap. What are you going to ask me? Um, should the Jacksonville Jaguars roll with Gardner Minshew, who's a later round pick but like a decent prospect, or should they try and like go out and trade for somebody like a? I mean, like Josh Rosen. I don't. I don't know who you go and trade for. Josh Rosen. Um... You roll with Gardner Minshew. Mike Leach absolutely loved Gardner Minshew because sure. one of the issues at the Senior Bowl around that time was his arm strength. He played in that crazy air raid offense at Washington State where they ran the ball a million times and had all those crazy sort of uh, unconventional offensive plays. And Gardner Minshew had an absolutely terrible senior bowl, much worse than Will Greer, who ended up being third-round pick for the Panthers. Uh, he struggled with every facet of the game, but then he played well in the preseason. Mike Leach couldn't talk him up, up, up enough after the Jaguars drafted him. He completed 13 passes in a row to start the, start the game. And that was second only in Jaguars history to to um, Pete Prisco's favorite player, David Garrard, who had went 14 for 14 at one point. So you roll with him. He seems comfortable in the offense. He's 40 years old. He's played at like five or six different schools. He was at ECU. He was going to sign with Alabama before Mike Leach talked him into going to, to Washington State. Uh, he's a very good football player. He's savvy. He's smart. He doesn't have all the athletic traits you want. He's not very tall. But there doesn't make sense to trade for someone right now. Um, I think JLC mentioned Cody Kessler might come back. That would make sense. He played there, I think, last season, and I think he's he's looking for work right now. But trading for Josh Rosen, I, I would under no circumstances would do that unless it's a seventh round pick. Yeah, I wouldn't be giving up draft capital. No, I, I wouldn't either. I just, I mean, the Jaguars fancy themselves a contender, and the AFC South. Uh, I mean, they did. I mean, not Bruce, anymore. I mean, I think they're still a contender because look, their next two, their next two games are divisional games. Tennessee and Houston. If they win both of those, they're, they're back not going to the, win. They have, they have control of the race. How are they going to win those? the Jets? Because they're going to the other teams. They're going the to eat up control of it too. The Jags' defense is going to beat the heck out of Houston's offensive line, and I don't know about the Tennessee game. So, Breach, <laughs> now that we know everything, you have a chance to revise your AFC South pick. Are you still taking I, the Jags to win the division after Week One? I well, I mean, the quarterback I, situation everyone, changes things. Everyone would take the Titans. They wait, wait, wait. That's Breach. Are you still taking the Jags? It sounds like you're still taking the Jags. I am not revising any predictions after week one. That's fair, too. I mean, Rich, on to week two. but I think the Fools, and if Fools hadn't got hurt and the, they had just lost to the Chiefs, I think it would have been fair to stick with the Jags. And Fools on the pass he got hurt on was an incredible touchdown pass. So I, I sort of thought they were going to cover against the Chiefs. I thought they were going to keep it close. It looked like it was going to be a and win. you picked the Jags to win. Um, not to win. Yeah, yeah, I did pick them to win. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's fine. I, I have no problem with that. I bet on the Jags, too. I thought the Jags were going to keep it close. They only lost by 14, but Gardner Minshew played. <laughs> I know. Well, that was the other thing. I was like, that Chiefs defense, not fixed. No, Chiefs defense is terrible. <laughs> and like, if Mahomes and Sammy, like, if, if there hadn't been multiple busted cars, God, with this podcast is running so long, Devo's going to murder me. Um, if the, if this, if, let's wrap this up. We'll get to a break. But, um, if, if Sammy Watkins hadn't had multiple jailbreaks early and the chiefs hadn't gotten up so big, I think, I mean, Jacksonville just can't, couldn't stay in their game plan at all. I mean, they couldn't run the ball with Fernet at that point and they looked sloppy. They looked too amped up. The defense was overhyped and being aggressive and it just didn't, they weren't ready for this game. They weren't, I, I, I don't think the Jaguars are dead yet. I think they will, um, I think they'll be frisky in terms of their defense throughout the season, but well, actually, I do think they're dead. I'm lying. Uh, there's no, they're not going to compete in the division. They're not with Gardner Minshew. They can't do it. It's not going to happen. Save that and clip it for later. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the other ten games left on the uh, on the schedule.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Yes, that's right. Ten games left to recap. Don't worry, we, we're hitting the big notes first, guys. That's what the people want. We're, we're making uh, we're making the good talk. Kyler Murray, I, I don't know. I, Ryan, uh, victory laps. We're doing victory laps all over the place. Ryan, you want a victory lap on Matt Patricia? Because this is one of the worst <laughs> like worst ties I've ever seen in my entire life. I I, I got a I got beat down on social media because I was tweeting about Cliff Kingsbury's offense and how crappy it was and how they're losing. It was. Yeah, it was. The, the, the Cardinals were down 24 to six in the fourth quarter and somehow managed to tie this game 27, 27. Uh, they had a hundred yards of offense with 14 minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. And Kyler ended up with a 300 yard passing day and two touchdowns. What's, what's the bigger deal here? Uh, D, Matt Patricia uh, wrapping his beard around his neck and, and coaching like this for, for 45 minutes or, or the Cardinals offense magically coming alive in the fourth quarter. Cliff Kingsbury was uh, doing a lot of field goals, which didn't make a ton of sense, to the point where Kyler Murray was actually not happy about the last one where uh, I think they didn't go for it on fourth down. They decided to kick a field goal or punt. I can't remember which one. I just saw the facial expression where he'd had enough. Um, Kyler Murray was terrible at first, got better, and then he finished really strong. He had some really nice throws, one to, to Larry Fitzgerald down the field late in overtime, I believe. Uh, he also had four passes batted down, which gets your attention. I know that was Pete Prisco's big thing, ironically enough, about not being tall enough to play quarterback. Um so we'll see. I, I thought it was a good start for Kyler Murray. I, I would give Cliff Kingsbury a, a D plus in terms of the play calling. He admitted as much after the game that he did a terrible job of putting his team in position to win. And I would give uh, Matt Patricia an F. Um, he was hobbling around on one foot. I forgot that he had torn his Achilles, so he had Achilles. He had the surgery, so he he seemed sort of out of sorts anyway. I feel saving him for that. No, I'm just – it's just a, a note on the – I forgot that his – okay, That one actually – did Ryan – it might be Ryan's. It might be Ryan's equipment. What if it's Ryan's, can you not hear that noise? Are you actually are you actually passing gas? No. <laughs> is this like an old person thing? Where you're that is a, like an old person way to describe it. You're like you're voluntarily passing gas you just won't admit it? You're like, what? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's not me, but thank you for putting, putting that on me while well, I'm trying to talk about Matt Patricia, which is incredibly rude. Maybe it was Matt. Maybe. Well, it's kind of fitting, though. I mean, a fart noise is basically how Matt Patricia coaches. <laughs> um, the worst moment for Matt Patricia, by the way, and it's it's not close, 
Uh, Matthew Stafford, they had it third and five, I believe, maybe third and four. And they ran this uh, play action, like bootleg thing. And he had a wide open pass. I think it was uh, 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 J.D. McKissick. Is it McKissick? The game is over, though, because the Lions are out of timeouts. It, no, the Cardinals are out of timeouts. The game yeah, is sorry, sorry. game is no, they had maybe they had one left. Either no, way, it was, but it was over. The, the time would have run out. It is over. And Matthew Stafford lobs it to him. And, and like McKissick was even like, he gets, he had 40 yards of freeway in front of him. And he's like, do I go down? He's like, do I, do I go to balance? I go down. Oh crap. What do I do? And like, then all of a sudden the refs come flying in. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And Matt Patricia called a timeout before the play went off. And the very next play call was like a deep throw by Stafford that Daryl Bevel dialed up. It's incomplete, which is idiotic. And Matt Stafford goes over to the sidelines and he is livid. He's screaming, trust me, trust me. And, and like going nuts. He won't look at Patricia in the face. You can tell there's like some, a little bit of friction there. And it's, it's, you just can't do that if you're Patricia. I think part of what happened, in my opinion, is that Patricia went, when, when Kingsbury kicked the third field goal, to cut it to 24 to nine. I mean, it felt like it was 55 to nine. And I think Patricia saw what Kingsbury did is like waving a white flag and just was like, all right, we're going to run the ball and we are going to play conservative prevent defense and we're going to get out of here with a win. And they had two, three and a half, like uh, six, like seven plays that used up like three and a half minutes and the Cardinals ripped off two big air raid drives and they suddenly were within eight and then the, the fart happened. I will just say this. Jim Caldwell went 9-7 to in back-to-back years and got fired. For <laughs> a rocket scientist. And I'll say this about the Cardinals real quick, is that you're Cliff Kingsbury. You had the total element of surprise going into this game, and you fell on your face in the first three quarters when your offense should have worked. And the only reason it worked in the fourth quarter is because Matt Patricia fell on his face, which wasn't surprising because he does that every other week, as Wilson notes, every other week. And, and he so- had one leg. Because, like, you look at – look, we'll talk about the Ravens in a second, but that was another team that had the element of surprise. And, yes, they were playing a worse team, but the Cardinals are equally bad. And the Ravens just took advantage of playing that – having that element of surprise, that mystery. The Cardinals did nothing. They literally did not – Kyler Murray was 9 of 29 for 73 yards at one point. 9 of 29 for 73 yards. That is 0-16 material, but maybe 0-15-1 because they pulled out a tie in this game because Matt Patricia uh, is not a good coach. The one positive I'll highlight um, is that they at least seem to have for, a for which better, team for the Cardinals is that they at least seem to have a concept of how to use David Johnson correctly, which last year's team did not have. And if you look at one of the touchdowns, it was David Johnson running pretty much a go route from out of the backfield um, and completely toasting the guy in coverage and coming down <laughs> to catch. Professional football coach uses good pass catching running back in obvious manner. Congratulations. Way to go, Steve Wilkes and Mike, uh, Mike, what's his name? All right. Let's move along to the Ravens. We got to pick up the pace a little bit or else we'll be here for nine hours. Um, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy. Thank you. Right, by the way, neither the Cardinals nor the Lions are going to go anywhere. I am fascinated to see what happens next week though, because if can Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury do what they did in the fourth quarter for a full game against Breach, the Baltimore Ravens, who I don't know if you noticed, dropped a nuclear warhead on Miami Sunday? Yeah, I mean, this was my favorite game of the entire day because Lamar Jackson just kept throwing dimes. It was like everybody I could just you could hear the typing of everybody doing a Twitter search and all their Lamar Jackson accuracy tweets up oh, delete. Up, oh, delete. This guy's amazing. Up, oh, delete. 
And the other thing is, you know, Marquise Brown, the wide receiver, he missed most of training camp. Everybody's like, is he even any good? Why did the Ravens spend a first round pick? And then he comes out and it's like, okay, he's awesome too. So now all of a sudden the Ravens have like two of the best first round picks of the past two years and they got them both late. So, you know, Lamar Jackson, if you would have never would have predicted that he was going to throw five touchdown passes or for over 300 yards. I think he started 10 to 10 before he threw his first incomplete pass. Uh, Hollywood Brown, he only put all his receptions were in the first half and it was four catches for 147 yards and two touchdowns. And this Ravens offense, I don't care if the Dolphins are tanking. I don't care if the Dolphins were, are the worst team in the NFL. I think the Ravens would have won this game probably 35 to 13 against a good team. Like they were just on fire. Do you know what the, so the two, two numbers worth noting on Marquise Hollywood Brown. One, Mike Clay, I tweeted this out. I'm a, he said it's from next gen stats. I'm going to take him on his word for it, but it seems impossible. Hollywood Brown played, do you know how many snaps, did you see this tweet? Do you know how many snaps he played? He played 12 snaps. He did that damage on 12 snaps. That is bananas, which means if he starts playing a full game, he could go absolutely ape. He is only owned. Uh, how many, what percent do you think owns him in fantasy, Sean? 12%. 29. 12 is a good guess though. 12 is the other number, so probably not a great guess. Probably could have guessed a different number. But that's fine. Well, I thought you were going for some symmetry there. I don't know. Uh, no, the 29%. Um, what, uh, what, what, what impressed you most about Lamar Jackson? Was it the three incompletions or the three rushing attempts? What surprised me? Impressed you or surprised you. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. I mean, it's the, it's the deep ball. And this can be an offense that, look, they're not going to play the Dolphins every week. And the thing that stuck out to me when I was rewatching the highlights is how much time he had back there to survey the field and just, you know, step in and launch them. So, but even if this offense is erratic, I feel like they're going to be the kind of offense that might go three and out a lot, but then they're also going to have a lot of chunk plays because they just have so much speed. And Mark Ingram, by the way, looked incredible um, and looked like the kind of fantasy back that you want to own because they're going to run the ball a lot despite what they did today. Uh, so I think what what I would expect going forward is obviously not this many points and obviously against better defenses. Lamar Jackson's not going to get that kind of time to sit back there. But this is going to be the kind of offense that might not have a lot of sustained drives and might have, you know, four 30-yard plays and that kind of offense. So I think it can work, especially with that defense. And the one thing we're not talking about because of the offense is um, Earl Thomas looked incredible. So I, I would just point out that their uh, prime Earl Thomas. I would just point out that, uh, and John mentioned Marquise Brown was a late-round, first-round pick. The third-round pick, Miles Boykin, also had a touchdown catch. He was targeted once, caught a pass for five yards, and perhaps more importantly, the Lamar Jackson's performance, 17-20 for 324, five touchdowns, interceptions. The original Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin III, was 6-for-6, six six, 55 yards <laughs> and a touchdown. Uh, this team is stacked. Joe, Lack, uh, Joe, Joe Lacko. Joe Flacco is <laughs> on their elite uh, in Baltimore because these two guys are ripping it up. Yeah, RG3 came in, which allowed uh, Lamar Jackson to go sit on the sidelines and think of uh, witty little – with little zingers to drop at his press conference. You, you were going to throw the ball. Uh, do you think you uh, include people that you were throwing the ball? That you Probably not, but not bad for a running back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, not bad for a running back. Are you kidding me? That's a great line. Although you should have said not bad for a wide receiver. Am I right, Bill Pullian? Suck it, Bill. <laughs> if he'd said that, it would. What? No, I'm saying he should have said that. I'm not saying that. Um, the other oh, guy I that- want to point out quickly, Devontae Parker, three catches for 75 yards. 
So he's actually not that far <laughs> behind Sammy Watkins. He's 123 yards behind Sammy Watkins after one week. Uh, Sammy gets hurt. I'm winning the bet. And we didn't bet anything, but I, I will be putting it on y'all, Devontae Barker. You don't have to Venmo him your Mitch Trubisky money if you win the bet. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that you should target for fantasy purposes out of this game, he's already 73% owned on CBS Sports Leagues. I was surprised by that. Tight end, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, eight targets, eight catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown actually came from RG3. But Andrews looks like he is awesome. There's a bunch of preseason hype about him. A very easy schedule coming up. He has the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals before their, uh, and then the Seahawks before their week eight bye. So I would highly recommend, uh, Mark Andrews. If you're, if you're one of the people who missed out on a top six tight end, Andrews should be a guy you're looking for. But if, hopefully he listened to us because we told you to, uh, to draft him. You know who else we told you guys to draft? Who Josh else? Rosen. Calvin Cook. That's right. Uh, I knew where he was going. Wait, I'm just going through Debo's rundown, right? Brinson is seemingly vindicated in week one with Vikings' impressive 28-12 victory over Falcons. All right, now, Sean, I want you to do it with me. Ready? We're going to do skull chants. Ready? One, I don't want to do a skull chant. Two. We're going to do a skull chant together. Come on. Come on, Sean. Come on. Skull All right, go. Vikings run up the score. <laughs> is that how it goes? I don't know. You just, John knows all the chants. You do the big clap thing like this. I love it. It's so uh, weird. Didn't Sean Payton do that to the Minnesota crowd it's, once? It's so weird when this whole crowd of like mid, like Midwest, like Eskimo type people start doing this. Like they live in like frozen land and they just start doing this. Like little Viking people. Anyway, um, Kirk Cousins <laughs> attempted. This is a Mike Zimmer fever dream in this game. The Vikings went 28 to 12. The, uh, Kirk Cousins went eight of ten. He threw ten passes for ninety-eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, as Debo notes on here, he did a terrible dance afterwards. Um, and he is the first quarterback since two thousand twelve. Mark Sanchez, Ryan's boy, to throw for a hundred yards and still win. Cousins said it was what the game called for to throw for less than a hundred yards and win. Excuse me, it was what the game called for, and I have no problem with being conservative. Uh, am I doubling down on my Super Bowl pick? Am I doubling down on my Dalvin Cook will lead the league in rushing? You're damn right I am. Give them both to me. Shoot in my veins. This Vikings team is awesome. You look at the, go look at the next gen stat chart. I tweeted out, uh, Josh Norris, Josh Norris of Roto World posted it. Dalvin Cook plus Gary Kubiak. Beautiful. So to somebody tell me I'm wrong. Somebody tell me the Vikings are winning the Super Bowl. Are you doubling down on your Gary Bradbury rookie of the year bet? Because the offensive line looked like doo doo. Uh, his sweaty butt was a problem on Sunday. I don't know if it's just a sweaty butt, but uh there was a fumbled snap. There was a fumbled snap. Kirby took some hits and he looked rushed in the pocket a lot of times and we were hoping that would fix a lot of things. Um I also want to point out uh the Falcons was that was sort of a surprise how that offense played. And the big part of what they did this offseason was draft two offensive linemen in the first round. Uh Chris Listrom got hurt, their first first round pick. And that was like season ending. It's a foot injury. They don't know I don't know if they know yet. Maybe they do, but it's not it sounds like it's not good. And then Caleb McGarry, who they traded for in the first round to get the place tackle. They pulled him early in the game and replaced him with Ty Sam Brano. I don't know if he came back or not, but uh, Matt Ryan, as was the case much of last year, took a whooping. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the Falcons imploded here. Their first two possessions, it was blocked punt, interception, and then you're down 14 nothing, and you have to throw the ball all game. And if your offensive line is as bad as the Falcons and you have to – throw the ball in every play starting in the first quarter, it's game over already. It's game over before the game even starts. So, I mean, Matt Ryan got beat up. And he we've been talking about a quarterback lasting the whole season. If he keeps t- taking those hits, he might not last the whole season. And then the Falcons season is over. 
And Prince, I love that you mentioned Mike Zimmer fever dream because I feel like before this game, he went up to Kevin Stefanski and said, dude, if Kirk Cousins throws the ball more than 10 times, I'm firing you. We are a running team. We are not a throwing team. I only run the ball. And that was exactly, it was like, they couldn't have done it any better. I would like to point out, and I, I noted this a lot during the off season, um, that, uh, let's see if I can find it. Where is it? Atlanta. So the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, while they were very low at the bottom in terms of adjusted games lost on defense, they were actually in the top half of the league in terms of adjusted games lost on offense, which means while they were unlucky with defensive injuries, they were actually lucky in terms of offensive injuries. And it seems that they have already taken a hit. McGarry's, McGarry's got a heart issue. Um, of course, Lindstrom now is going to miss some time. If this offensive line goes to crap, this team could be very bad. Well, that's two first-round picks in the, in the crapper potential. It's, it's a foot fracture for Lindstrom, by the way. That's, that's probably not good for playing football here. probably the season. Cryotherapy. Yeah, just go zap him. Sean, if you were replacing the Falcons in the in the in the NFC North or the NFC South, excuse me, you get to redo the NFC South. Where would you put the Falcons? Third. Yeah. And I think I I have them making the playoffs. I can't remember what order I had them in the Saints. I had both of them making the playoffs. I would have the Saints first. Even though we haven't seen them play yet. And then we'll have the Panthers second, even though the Panthers didn't exactly look great. Um, I was, I mean, that was my bigger takeaways. I thought this was going to be at least a close game. Now, I didn't know if the Falcons were going to win because I thought going to Minnesota was going to be tough. But Breach mentioned their first three series, four series. Let me just read you, read you their drive chart for the entire game because it, it doesn't really do to justice what the 28-12 scoreline suggests. It's block punt, interception, punt, fumble, Punt, end of half, interception, punt, and then they scored two touchdowns on their last two drives when the game was over. Yeah, I mean it was not it wasn't as close as twenty eight twelve. It was it was twenty eight nothing most of the time. And I again like that's why I would that that is why I would double down on my Super Bowl pick because the Vikings defense looked as good as it did against a very good offense indoors. Um and if look if Matt Ryan doesn't have time to throw and he and Dirk Cutter are not on the same page, things could get ugly. But I think Sean also talked about that weirdness is if somebody went up to you and said a team with one minute left in the third quarter, this team has only punted twice. What do you think the score is? <laughs> there is no way you would think they're down 28 to nothing. That doesn't even seem possible that a team only punts twice in the first 44 minutes of a game and somehow is trailing 28 to nothing. It's insane. I need it. Well, you know what? I didn't get to watch any of this game. It's really annoying. DirecTV blacked it out. They're like, this is blacked out in your area. Like, I don't, I neither live in, in Atlanta nor in Minnesota. They, so they read thought, your Super Bowl paper in Minnesota. They're going to block out all your Vikings games. DirecTV is rubbing your Super Bowl pick in your face. Maybe <laughs> so. Uh, you know what I did watch? There was a Carolina Panthers game. Sean mentioned they would be the second best team and that they didn't look particularly sharp. I would agree with that. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that, um, well, it's time to bitch Cam. We'll see what Will Greer's got. I know that somebody told me Nobody I should, said that. People are saying that people are people there. Everyone in Carolina, some for football reasons, some for other reasons, want to get rid of Cam. Um, and I'm telling what you, reasons? mostly because they're racist. Because uh, he dresses like an old woman at the press conference. He did. Was it Mina Kimes? Sweet. He's like he, he looks like an old woman from a fable. He's like trying to teach a young man a lesson about like, about empathy. <laughs> uh, he did. He had a scarf on a little hat. But, uh, Cam was, uh, Cam was fine. Cam was not great. 25 or 38, 239 yards, 
zero touchdowns, one interception uh, as the Panthers lose 30-27 to at home against the Rams. They had multiple chances to take the lead in this game and to win this game. Christian McCaffrey was effing ridiculous in this game. 19 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns, 10 catches on 11 targets for 81 yards and zero touchdowns. He is an absolute monster and he was he was like breaking tackles that you would expect adrian peterson is primed to break it was fun to watch dj moore had a pair of fumbles i believe which which really hurt that team um you know they cam, terrible throw from cam to be fair yeah yeah cam missed some throws the defense i thought the defense actually played fairly well considering the circumstances um what uh what would you say ryan or the panthers uh i mean i don't want to say that I don't know. What's your take? I, I don't think that the Rams are that great, but I don't think the Panthers are that bad. I don't know what to make of this. I, I would I would be wanting to sell a little bit of the Rams and buy on the Panthers based on what I saw as opposed to what I think the general perception would be. I picked the Rams to win this game, um, and John and I talked about this with you on, on uh, NFL Roundup uh, last Friday. We didn't know what Cam's shoulder was going to be like. Oh, I'm uh, sure, by the way. Yeah, check it out. Um, and and. Uh, I also picked, and we'll talk about this in a second, I picked the Seahawks to win that division. So I wasn't sold on the Rams being the, the team they were last year. But Sean McVay's there. They just re-signed Jared Goff. And if Sean McVay's all in on Jared Goff, so am I. Uh, he finished 23-39 for 186. So he didn't blow, you know, he played slightly better than Kirby Cousins. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. But I think the issue is the consistency with Cam. And you pointed out Cam was fine. He wasn't great. I think the DJ Moore fumbles didn't help. McCaffrey went absolutely off. But, again, the Panthers are sort of like the Steelers, and they start slow. And they sort of figure things out, and then they, they, they stumble, and then by the end they, they find themselves in the playoffs. So this doesn't mean much to me that, that they lost at home. I, th- I thought they would. And I think it's a bigger win for the Rams in terms of setting them up for, the, for, this, for the, the rest of the season. But I don't take much out of this. You don't bench Camper. I tell you, you don't bench Camper Will Greer. I take that out of it. There's no way that's happening. The quarterback I'm more concerned about from this game is Goff and because it's exactly what we saw at the end of last year. So if you look at from December on last year, including the playoffs, which is eight games, he averaged roughly uh, a little bit over six yards per attempt, um, six and a half-ish. He averaged 4.8 yards per attempt um, on Sunday. So we talked about last year about how bad he got as the season went on. I think he was equally bad as, as he was at the end of last year. So I think that remains a concern. Um, the one good thing I will say about the Rams is that might not be good if you drafted Todd Gurley, but it looks like they can find a way to make it work with Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown kind of splitting carries with Gurley having a little slight edge because both of them ran pretty well. They averaged as a team uh, 5.2 yards per carry, Gurley averaging um, a nice 6.9 yards per carry. Um, so I think they can make that work. I would not want any stock though in any of those two players in fantasy. I and, and, and Sean mentioning Goff real quick. The Rams scored 13 points in the first half, and their longest drive was only 33 yards. Like the Panthers were just hand feeding them points. Like, hey guys, take the lead. We don't even want to be ahead because we want you to be ahead. So Goff didn't do anything. He didn't look impressive, and the Rams didn't have to really do anything to kind of jump out to that 10 point halftime lead. And obviously, you're playing the defending NFC champs. It's not easy to come back when you put yourself in that kind of hole. Carolina's first uh, seven drives, fumble, punt, miss field goal, fumble, punt, punt, field goal. That's not – you can't start like that against a team like the Rams with a good coaching staff, quality players, um, and I don't know. It's just you can't, you can't do Sounds it. Sounds like you were reading the Falcons' drive chart all over again. Is this just the whole NFC South? They have no idea what they're doing? Panthers' second half, touchdown, field goal, 
touchdown, punt, interception, touchdown. Um, I just, I, I just, I thought that Carolina, I thought it was just one of those where Cam didn't, Cam didn't have many preseason reps at all. He is coming off shoulder surgery. He's trying to do this new, uh, throwing motion. He, you know, he, they're not trying to run him as much. They don't want him to stop typing, Sean. They don't want to take a bunch of hits. Um, and, uh, as a result, well, it's loud. It's pecking noises in my, everybody's ears. Stop it. Um, well, but what you just said also applies to Goff, though. He did not sit, take a single snap of the preseason. So I think the fact that he struggled in this game isn't a huge deal. If he's still struggling in week two, week three, that's a problem. But the fact that he did okay in this game and they won, I don't think you can really take anything from the fact that he wasn't that great. Let, yeah. me, ask, let me ask this, though. Why is it that every team, literally every team except the Patriots, struggle in week one or week two or parts, parts of the preseason? The Patriots come out every week one, regular season, make minimal mistakes. Everyone's on point. I don't even, and when the coaches that coach for Bill Belichick go to other places, they turn into absolute doo doo too. So I, I don't understand what's happening. I think there's a huge conspiracy theory going on. We need to investigate what's going on in New England because this has to stop. I can't take it anymore. It's probably steroids. And, uh, and, and <laughs> uh, by the oh. way, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now here on the podcast. The Panthers will enter their week seven by five and one. And Ryan, to answer your question, I think a lot of times the better coach team wins in week one. But what about Josh McDaniels when he was in Denver? Actually, he won early on in his career there. Or Brian, Brian Flores isn't a good example. Um, Romeo Cornell, everyone that leaves are Bill O'Brien. Why does everyone else do the exact opposite of, of Bill Belichick, given that they've been with him four or five or six or ten years? Because they don't have a Tom Brady. They don't have anybody to build that team around the franchise quarterback. John, quit answering my questions with one-word answers. Well, I'm trying to answer them so that everybody are, are you, can... <laughs> Why are you providing this logical reasoning for, for Ryan's consistently lost soul? So that Ryan doesn't have to go to... He won't be able to sleep at night because he's trying to answer these questions. Uh, so if I answer them, he's old. He needs the sleep. He has to get up <laughs> at 6 a.m. We're still podcasting at 12.45. I'm just trying to help him. Thank you. Uh, by the way, Rams, Saints next week. Saints next week. Fox The main Fox game, I'm assuming. Then at the Browns Sunday night. Panthers, meanwhile, play Thursday, short week at home against the Buccaneers, and then get 10 days before they play Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals. I, I, I think the Panthers will be 2-1. and one. I think they'll win both those games if they improve a little bit on offense. I think their defense can handle both of those squads. Uh, let's stay in the – let's go to the NFC East and talk about a team that also didn't play its quarterback during the preseason. Carson Wentz saw no meaningful snaps early on, and it showed the Eagles – and what was easily the biggest early, early, early one o'clock surprise, right? The Eagles were down huge to the Redskins. The Washington Redskins of all teams were up 17 nothing on the Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks to Case Keenum hitting uh, Vernon Davis, 99 year old tight end for a 48 yard touchdown. Uh, uh, Hopkins banged in a field goal and then a very nice little pass to Terry McLaurin, the rookie for 69 yards and a touchdown to go up 17 nothing. Everybody's freaking out. Eagles fans going nuts. They're booing the team. Debo would th- quit the podcast. He's like, I'm out. I won't do it. Uh, and, uh, and then, then the Eagles realized who they were, who the Redskins were. And I, I bet on them at plus 200 live, which is a pretty nice little call by me. They went 32 to 27. They stormed back and, uh, breach. It was Deshaun Jackson catching a pair of bombs. From Carson Wentz, ended the day with eight catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Who does who does revenge games better than Deshaun Watson? I mean Deshaun uh, Jackson. No one, no one ever. I mean, it, so this whole game was crazy because a it started with Adrian Peterson on the inactive list, and then we literally watched this game plan where the Redskins call 44 passes and just 13 runs, and that didn't happen. 
this they had a 17 nothing lead so there was no reason for them to keep flinging the ball unless they saw some sort of weakness on film which they clearly did because after the game Jay Gruden's like yeah if I was going to run the ball 50 times we would have suited up Adrian Peterson but I had a different plan like he just came out and said it and if you're the Eagles yeah you won you barely beat the Redskins but you got shredded by Case Keenum I mean that does not feel good. That does not say anything good about your defense. And if Deshaun Jackson didn't come in and save the day, I don't know why the Redskins weren't covering. We got wide open, uh, I think that 53-yard touchdown pass, 51-yard touchdown pass, the first guy in two years to have multiple touchdown catches of over 50 yards in a game. Uh, and if I'm Deshaun Jackson, I'm just rubbed in everybody's face because I'm sure he doesn't like the Redskins anymore. I don't think he likes anyone, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, so <laughs> – being down 17 to nothing, uh, if you're the Eagles, and then having Keenum torch you for 380 yards, this is not, what's the opposite of a moral victory? Like, uh, you immoral. actually, you actually win, An but you don't feel immoral good defeat. <laughs> that is the literal opposite. And by the way, then what is it called if you win, but you don't feel good about it? Well, no, it wasn't immoral. Pyrrhic victory. Oh, Pyrrhic victory. That's right. Good job, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was a Pyrrhic victory because I took on RJ White's advice. I took the, uh, I took the Eagles minus eight and a half and everybody had the Eagles minus 10 and they, they're down 17 nothing. It's like, all right, this is an L. And then all of a sudden they're up, uh, they're up 12. And then Doug Peterson just went back and played easy defense and let, uh, Case Keenum waltz down the field and score a last door cover. Back door cover. Always coming in the back door, man. Uh, Wilson, what's, uh, what do you think about these two NFC East teams? Or should we be worried about, uh, fading the Redskins? I know you predicted them to go 0 and 22 this year. They seem like a, a, I, I was, I'm struggling because they're a two win team. And I, and I went on the radio in DC a few weeks ago and said, if they win six games, I'd be a miracle. Uh, they looked, uh, I mean, and, and John pointed this out. Case Keenum, if he's throwing for 380 yards, they're doing something right. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, but that it requires the other team to play zero defense. And that's sort of what we saw because there's no one, literally no one to throw the ball to. Uh, you mentioned 99 year old Vernon Davis having that fantastic touchdown catch. Terry McLaurin's a rookie. Your guy, Kevin Harmon's a rookie. They all contributed, but at some point, I mean, teams are going to play defense against these guys. They're going to struggle. Uh, I do want to say Chip Kelly remains a genius for getting rid of Deshaun Jackson. He clearly was in the right by dumping that guy. And uh, how about how about the fact that like Chip, like Deshaun Jackson, Lashawn McCoy are still playing in the NFL, and Chip Kelly's just getting his ass handed to him, and it's like his fourth job since he got fired from the Eagles. I mean, he's just he just stinks. UCLA's terrible. By San Diego State, is that who they lost to? They're terrible. Mm. Like, not even a Power Five team. It's ugly. They got blasted in San Francisco. Uh, Debo, pop on here and tell us what's uh what's your quick gut reaction to the Eagles? I mean, it was almost a disaster until it wasn't. Welcome back, <laughs> Jackpot. Um, I'm good with it. A win is a win. Whatever kind of victory you want to call it, immoral, moral. I'll take it. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good call. I'll say the other thing too. Um, this is my take on it from a fan, just from the fantasy perspective and on the running back situation. They divvied up the carries a lot. They had, uh, Miles Sanders 11, Darren Sproles 9, Jordan Howard 6. I would be trying to buy low on Miles Sanders if I could right now in fantasy leagues because he it looked the best. I think he's going to end up seeing 60 plus percent of the carries. There's no way they can give Darren Sproles. They're not going to give him nine carries a game or nine. Or, I think his touches will come in the passing game. I think he'll be involved. Um, Jordan Howard had more rushing guards, but it was all in garbage time. And Sanders had a touchdown called back on a penalty. So I, I like, I like Sanders a lot. I thought he looked really good. Didn't put up many stats, but he's a guy you could steal for cheap. Uh, in fantasy, he might even be dropped. Who knows? Um, who would you rather have David Montgomery or Miles Sanders? I think Montgomery. I think Miles Sanders because they're going to use him. Is Matt Nagy going to use David Montgomery? 
Well, they both had like 11 carries, right? What did David Montgomery have? Miles Sanders, he did get beat up, though, because he had 11 carries for 25 yards, but 19 of those yards he came on one so carry. explosive, man. He so looked, he had 10 carries for six yards. The Redskins' defense is good. The Redskins' defense is good. I just I think it's going to be good until, until they're banged up. And eventually in the late in the season, they're going to give up a bunch of yards because they're going to be banged up and this will be worn down. Uh, speaking of good defenses, the Cowboys' defense looks good, but not as good, Ryan, as Dak friggin' Prescott. Perfect passer rating, 400 yards, four touchdowns, and was throwing lasers all over the field. This is an F.U. Jerry, give me the bag game. You know what? I wonder. I got Jared Jared Dubin, who's on the podcast with you, uh, once or twice a week to do previews. He's a huge Cowboys homer, and he was beside himself for good reasons finally when uh, the the Cowboys game started because Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, who looks to be younger than Sean, was just dialing up play after play, calling plays that made total sense for not only Dak Prescott but for the running game and, and everything in between. And the best part is going to be when, when Jerry Jones – I'm going to steal your line here, Brinson, because you, you tweeted about this. He's going to um, – Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, and replace him with Kellen Moore. <laughs> I would say this for months. This is dumb. Yeah, this is, this is Brinson's tweet. Uh, that's the first time I saw it was on Sunday. So, somebody's going to try to hire Kellen Moore, and, Jay, and he's just going to fire Jason Garrett and promote Kellen Moore to head coach. I mean, not the – look, unless you want Jason Garrett there to be a professional clapper. Like, what? what why else would you keep Jason Garrett around? And I think that was my biggest thing. He takeaway, went to Preston, Sean. Was he, not, he hired Kellen Moore. So he had to make some a good decision somewhere. Jerry hired Kellen Moore. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. It wasn't Dak. I mean, Dak was perfect. This was the best game of Dak's career um, in pretty much every single way. By the way, uh, I don't know if I want to say fun fact. I was going to say fun fact, but you guys never think they're fun. Fun fact, he's the first Cowboys quarterback to ever have a perfect passer rating. Is that I your fun fact? No, that, my that fun, fun fact is twice in Dak's career, he's thrown four touchdowns and no interceptions. Can you guys name the last time it happened and against who? No, I can't. It was his last regular season game, week 17 against the Giants in 2018. Okay, okay see, but if you ask a question that's trivia, that's not a fun fact. Okay, you know what? Okay, uh, let's get to Kelmore. What, what I thought, what Dubin was so excited about, was the fact that they were throwing on early downs. And if you've watched the Cowboys the last, ever since they got Zeke and, and Dak, they would run on first and second down, and they would put Dak in third and seven, third and six, which everyone knows is a really tough down as a young passer to be able to convert against because defenses know that you're passing the ball. And it was kind of mind-blowing to watch them early in that game call play action on first and second down. And a lot of those throws that Dak was hitting, Dak hit were wide open. And that's sure. not anything against Dak, but... I'm suddenly sold on the Cowboys because we've been talking about them as a regression team. We didn't really factor in because Kellen Moore was such an unknown because he's never been the play caller before. He's been the backup quarterback for years. We've never really known what he was going to be on offense. And it turns out if they have replaced their antiquated, old-fashioned offense with an updated modern system that will pass on first and second down, I'm all in on the Cowboys making the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with that. I hadn't made the playoffs before the season, but I am. I, I think they're. A, I was talking with Chris Westling of uh, NFL.com about this, just back and forth on Twitter. He th- he 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 would take him to win the Super Bowl, and he's done. He's he, before before this game, and he's doubling down now because they are they're complete. I mean, their their defensive line is good. Their linebackers are good. Their secondary is good. Michael Gallup had seven catches on seven targets for 158 yards, and looked he was like physical after the catch. He was running really well. You could tell he's played the Giants. <laughs> Giants suck, and we don't, we're not going to talk about the Giants very much. The four year. of us and seven friends could have competed uh, with the Giants today. No, I, I'm with I'm with Sean's take on this completely. 
at halftime, Dak Prescott had 26 passing attempts and Zeke Elliott had 26 rushing yards and they were up, uh, 21 to, or yeah, 20, 21 to seven, 21 to seven. And then you could, you could tell like one of the play calls, they did this play action. It was the touchdown pass to Jason Witten. They do this play action. Witten acts like he's blocking, then leaks out. I mean, it's not a crazy, like, mind-blowing concept, but it's just something the Cowboys wouldn't have done. Scott Linehan would have run Zeke three times in the middle of the line, and then they would have kicked a field goal because Jason Garrett's a wuss bag. I mean, like, the fact that Zeke wasn't there opened up for this week one kind of offensive game plan. They were never going to load Zeke up with 25 carries in this game because he's not in football shape. He missed the whole entire training camp. So this was, hey, let's see what we have in Dak. Let's see how good he is. Let's see. Let's experiment with Kellen's offense and see how well it does against this horrible Giants team. And now, obviously, it works. So this opened you up for the rest of the season. But, again, Dak proved he's a good quarterback, and I hope he gets his uh, $40 million that he wants per year from Jerry. I don't think he should sign a, I don't think he should sign the contract right now. Oh, no. I, I would uh, say, at this point, I say, unless this says $40 million per year, I'm not signing. Yeah, Jerry's like, oh, it's imminent. He said after the game, he's like, it's imminent. We're going to have a deal pretty soon. If I'm Dak, I'm like, <laughs> you blew your chance, Jerry. If you'd give me what we'll I want. talk next summer. Yeah, like, like, how about we wait until after week two? Because if I do this again, you're going to owe me more money. And Amari Cooper was also awesome. And if they, you know, again, like I've said, they can't franchise tag both of them. They get, uh, oh boy. Well, 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 Mr. Prescott, look at that. They're at the Redskins next week and then the Dolphins in week three. You just said the Redskins have a really good defense. Though. I think it's a good defense, but the Cowboys are awesome. Right. And you know who else was good? It was Randall Cobb. Like, they had three legitimate receivers out there with Amari Gallup and Randall Cobb. And if they get a revitalized, healthy Randall Cobb. Jason Witten wasn't terrible. Like, <laughs> this team is loaded. <laughs> I, was, I know. I, it's I, like I overlooked. I said at the very beginning, don't read too much in the week one yes the cowboys blew the doors off the giants but as john just pointed out they're the freaking giants i so i agree with that but i think the way in which they did it i think is a reason to be at least yeah, optimistic but if about zeke 500 yards against the giants because they just kept beating zeke we'd be talking about zeke being back and earning that contract the giants are yeah, absolutely I be talking about the thing that burns and i are talking about is that we feel like we can see a tangible change in the way the cowboys are running their offense which is which has been the primary complaint against these Cowboys with Dak just, Prescott. And that's Elliott. exactly what I said to start the conversation. So, yes. But I'm saying process matters more than the result. And so I was – Sean, you just said he threw four touchdown passes in his last regular season game. When, <laughs> yes, you know, like, I was there. You know, like nothing's changed. It's the same then. Thanks, it has John. completely changed because the way in which he got to those four touchdowns is significantly different than what he did in week 17 of last Sean, year. Sean, he's got dunked on. Next team. This is what this is what Wilson does. Is he likes to proclaim a dunk without offering any evidence of it, and then he moves on before anyone can. You know who I feel sorry for? Let me just say, you know who I feel sorry for? Yeah, it's a very there's a there's a very famous person who does the same thing. Wilson's basically his copycat. Um, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley had a huge Uh game, and he's gonna have a huge game every week, and the Giants are gonna lose every week. And that poor guy. And I just want to say that this was a week that just looks bad on running backs. Melvin Gordon should stay at home because. The three leading running backs in week one all lost. Ooh. Say it home, Melvin. Yeah, Melvin. We... We're about to get to Melvin. You actually helped the transition very quickly. Oh, bummer. Go ahead if you want to do something. Look, I was just going to say the Giants okay. had maybe my – at least it's week one, but they had my favorite play call of, of – could go down the season. Is this the more than one bootleg? <laughs> <Yes>. like, <laughs> stupid. Like, they're like – they didn't even tell him whether to run or pass. They're just like just waddle out to the right – and then, like, fall down. And he's like, there is a moment. So it's a fourth and one at, like, the five-yard line or whatever. And they run a play-action boot, and he has one receiver running kind of along with him. And there's a moment when he rolls out that you can see him think, 
oh, I can maybe get the corner here. Yeah, and and then he starts going for it, and then he realizes Leighton Van Der Esch is going to get me. And he looks at his receiver, who's falling to the ground. And instead of juking, he literally just stops in like in, in the air. And Leighton Van Der Esch just lays him out, and Eli fumbles. And I cannot wait for the photos to come out from the game, because the Eli face on that on that hit is going to be incredible. Uh, just to add to that, the, the juxtaposition of that play call on fourth and one when you have Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard on the field, uh, versus what the Cowboys were doing was a, was a stark difference between where these franchises are heading. And as Ryan continually points out, and, uh, he, he's not going to be wrong, Saquon Barkley's awesome. They're going to have to pay him. They're not going to get anything out of him. They're going to get, they're going to get like five win seasons for three years on his rookie deal, and then they're going to give him a huge contract. It's so stupid. Evan Ingram is somebody you want to own in fantasy. He might be the number one tight end this year because there's just nobody else on that team. You mentioned Melvin Gordon, John Breach. Guess what? Uh, Melvin's not getting paid because you know who's better than Melvin Gordon? Austin Eckler. Chargers win 30 to 24 in overtime. And uh, this is Brinson, just pure Brinson porn at this point because it's Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers. There's just an NC State quarterback party. Handsome. So look on Ryan's face and he said Brinson porn. Uh, Austin Eckler finished the game breach 12 carries 58 yards one touchdown but more importantly six catches on seven targets for 96 yards and two touchdowns he looked awesome T.Y. Hilton was awesome Marlon Mack was awesome I told you to draft them all it's a victory lap what do you think breach who uh who, who came out of this game as a winner uh well I think Melvin Gordon's the loser and he should probably send some hate mail to Adam Vinatieri <laughs> because Vinatieri is also a loser. He missed two field goals and extra point in this game. If he makes any of that, the Colts probably win. And if the Colts win in regulation, this game doesn't go to overtime. You know what happened in overtime? Austin Eckler had a 19-yard carry. You take that away. He only had 11 carries for like 39 yards, which is trash. And then he also had uh, a seven-yard touchdown run to win. Was it catch a run? To, to yeah. win the game, a game winner. It's a run. So you, yeah. so you take away 26 of his yards that came in overtime – um, but yeah, anyway, he, you can't do that. Benetary did make, miss those. And, uh, if I'm Melvin Gordon, I'm literally just sobbing to myself or if there's friends around, I'm sobbing to them. I'm sobbing to someone and I'm not getting my job back and the Chargers aren't going to pay me. I'm not going to make any money because Eckler was awesome. And so was Phillip Rivers. I mean, the Colts defense, we've been talking about them all off season, how we felt like, Hey, this is the year they were good last year. They're going to be even better this year. And that was the one thing that didn't matter with Andrew Luck because they could compete because their defense and Phillip Rivers tore them apart for 333 yards and three touchdowns. And that was even though he got sacked four times. He was under a lot of pressure, but he's a veteran quarterback, made some smart throws, and they couldn't cover Keenan Allen. I mean, this was a really good win for the Chargers. Rivers looked – I mean, I, I, River, I know I'm a Rivers hammer. I didn't pick him to go to the playoffs. Rivers looked awesome. Rivers Rivers looked awesome. The, the only thing he didn't look awesome – I thought it was a surefire touchdown late. That Malik Hooker interception – Holy crap. He, like, Rivers didn't see him. He didn't think he'd get there. Rivers gas canned one in there, and Hooker just comes flying in and snares it with one hand and just is taken off. That guy, like, I love watching Malik. He can't stay healthy, but I love watching Malik Hooker play. Um, who, would you pick the Colts to win this division, Ryan? The, the yeah, division? I'm still in the Colts bandwagon. I think I am. He was lights out. He played a fantastic game. Uh, Devin Funches looks like he broke his clavicle. He could be out for a while. So that's actually, uh, we were sort of making fun of that signing in the offseason. It seems like it was a pretty big deal to, to, uh, in addition, especially after Andrew Luck. But I'm, I'm all in Jacoby Brissett. I was really impressed with the way he played. His first throw, it should have been picked off. It wasn't. It was actually caught on the sideline 
by someone not named T.Y. Hilton. I can't remember who, who it was. Maybe Devin, but Dion Kane. Dion Kane, thank you. But uh, wholly impressed because I thought he'd be nervous. John's exactly right. Um, a Vinatieri should walk home from Carson, California, the, the soccer stadium. Two missed field goals, a missed extra point. That's seven points there. They would have won in the regulation. He's never done that in his career. He is my age, so that should give you some indication why he should probably no longer be playing. And um, he actually has more gray hair than me, which is, is hard to imagine. Uh, your boy Marlon Mack, 174 rushing yards. Balanced offense. I thought the defense actually played pretty well against Phillip Rivers, punctuated by that Malik Hooker um, interception and the four sacks that John talked about. This team's going to be good. Marlon, what I like Marlon, is Marlon that- Mack's a monster. Marlon Mack's a monster. I told every, I'm telling you, everybody that listens to this podcast better have drafted Marlon Mack because I kept talking about it. By Wait, the way, real quick, I mentioned the three running backs that were the leading rushers that all lost, and now that we got to the final one, Marlon Mack was number one, Christian McCaffrey was number two, and Saquon Barkley was number three. Oh, and um, I don't think. You know this is going to be a segue too for you. Okay, good. Jacoby Brissett is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, who would have thought that <laughs> yeah. the, when those trades happened, that it would be Brissett who's better and who was a lot cheaper to acquire? I, I fully think that that's going to come true. That's a great, that's a great call and a great segue. Wow, Devo is already true. Devo is applauding you because he's like, finally, someone got this guy to move on. Um, the 49ers. The 49ers were terrible. They are terrible, but they still won. 31 to 17. I'm the only one who picked the 49ers to win on CBS for some reason. Uh, they went into, uh, Tampa Bay and beat a Bucks team that is just freaking awful. The Bucks are terrible. Jameis Winston is garbage. Bruce Arians can't fix him. I wouldn't be surprised if Bruce Arians takes over play calling midseason and then gives up and just p- plugs in Ryan Griffin or Blaine Gabbard or Chris Godwin or Dare Aguna Bunaway or whoever they want to play at quarterback. Cause this is a, this is a take your victory lap, Sean. So this, this quarter, this quarterback situation is a problem. Panthers just lost. They're six and a half point favorites over the Bucks on Thursday. Where's the game? Carolina. I'm taking Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carolina's, Carolina's going to smash them. Of course. On the short, on the short week too. Yeah. And look, James Winston is James Winston. I bet that right now. We were laughing, or at least I was laughing at the headlines all off season when Bruce Aarons was talking about how we just got to, you know, coach the stupid out of him and, you know, make sure James doesn't go into hero mode. And it took less than one week for that entire thing to unravel because that's exactly what James Winston tried to do. This to me might have been the worst game of the week. I think it featured the two teams that are the worst going against each other. And it's not like the 49ers earned this victory. Uh, I thought Garoppolo was almost as bad as Jameis Winston. The only positive he had that he didn't throw three interceptions. Um, and this entire game was just so ugly. There were about four or five touchdowns in this game that got called back because of penalties. There was like a sequence in the second quarter where um, Cameron Brait had like touchdowns on like two or three plays and both of them got called back. Kittle had a touchdown called two, back. Kittle had two called back. Right. So two tight ends had two touchdowns called back. This was a horrible game to watch. Terrible quarterback play on both sides. Uh, Garoppolo got pick six by Richard Sherman. Horrific uh, uniform. The uniforms aren't even good. Like it's just, it was horrible to watch. It was, it was amusing though, because I, I mean, we were talking about taking victory laps. I've been anti Jameis since he entered the league. And I think now we're pretty much set on the idea that He's not gonna if he does find success in the NFL, it's not gonna be in Tampa Bay because he's probably gonna be on his way out after this year, joining John Gruden in Vegas. Um, and I've never been fully sold on Jimmy Garoppolo, and I 
I didn't mind the trade for the second round pick, but the whole idea that they gave him a contract because he played five crappy teams at the end of his first season and they beat him on a bunch of Robbie Gold field goals never really stuck with me. And I kind of feel like we've been talking about this on the podcast, but the whole San Francisco narrative has completely shifted and it won't surprise me if at the end of this year the entire team is cleaned out. Then the question becomes, where does Kyle Shanahan land next year and, and has success? Because in, Green Bay. You're right, John. Yeah. Well, the thing is, well, you're talking about Green Bay. I don't think they're going to fire you, John. But, I mean, the point is, and you hit into this earlier, Breach, is that you have to have a quarterback. He clearly doesn't have one in San Francisco. So he finds a, a team that has a quarterback and needs a coach. And Redskins. He, he, he I mean, turns to the Redskins. Yeah. The, the other issue there is the, the owner and the, the general. Yeah, I know. But, um. He's a fantastic coach, and he's like one of the few examples where you see him on the sidelines clearly frustrated, and it's, for the most part, not his fault. Garoppolo is not good. The people around him are not good. He doesn't do the personnel decisions. But, uh, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that he could be out of a job. Did you see the clip of him going after Garoppolo after one of Garoppolo's terrible yeah. passes? They was, had a little sideline thing. I was actually where, playing it out in my head. I wonder what Garoppolo's response is he's just going yeah you're right or is he trying to make excuses he's like well at least i'm not as bad as Jameis. i was trying to figure out what he would say <laughs> in response but he has every right to yell at him he's, he's terrible <laughs> i'm not as bad as Jameis. you see this guy <laughs> come on come on kyle you see Jameis? this guy sucks uh by the way the 49ers last year had two interceptions two defensive interceptions the entire season uh today or on sunday excuse me they had two Defensive interceptions returned that they took returned for touchdowns. By the way, Quan Alexander playing against his former team, Tampa Bay, got ejected in the first half for <laughs> taking a headshot at Jameis Winston. That was a dirt that was a dirty, dirty hit. Like the the 49ers won by 14 points, and Jameis Winston literally gave them 14 <laughs> points. The only bright spot in this game for the Bucks, I think, was Ronald Jones. There was they thought it was a throwaway pick last year. He didn't have a good 2018. He came out, averaged like 5.7 yards per carry. He had 13 carries for 75 yards. Uh, and obviously the Buccaneers need way more than a running back who was rushing for 75 yards because they're still going to get trounced every game as long as Jameis is their quarterback. But at least they know they might have a guy that can be uh, the go-to guy in their backfield. Here's here's the Bucks' schedule. It's not good. <laughs> at Panthers on Thursday. Wow. Giant, giant, yeah, Giants at home the next week. They could win that one. At Rams, at Saints, Panthers at home, bye, at Titans, at Seahawks. Hasta la vista, Jameis. It's been nice knowing you. Can I say one thing quickly? And by the way, both those Panthers games, yes, you can, Ryan. Both those Panthers games are Gerald McCoy revenge games. He will be pissed off. <laughs> Gerald McCoy. Last week in the first uh, mock draft of the 2020 campaign, I had the Buccaneers taking a quarterback, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Uh, this week, I will have the Buccaneers taking another quarterback. Maybe Justin Herbert will have to see, but they're, they're drafting a quarterback. They're going to have a top 10 pick. I am. And- Lastly, the um, if you bet the over, which I believe was 50-and-a-half, the total ended up at 48. Robbie Gold, by the way, had a field goal from like 51 yards that hit exactly on the crossbar bounced out. So I saw it. I took bad the, beat it, there. The over, well, yeah, but it went at the end, and the over never should have been in play. They scored a bunch of points late. And they scored off a of pick six. That pick six probably happens regardless of what the score is. No, no, I'm just saying, like, like there was a bunch of, like, trust me, I had the over, and I was rooting, I was like rooting for the over, and I was watching, I was like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening. Um, speaking of uh, games that were, this game did not go over. Uh, Bills seventeen, Jets sixteen. Spent all, I spent a lot of time on CBS Sports HQ, our twenty four seven streaming source network. You watch on Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, sub to CBSSports.com slash live. Uh, I made fun of Pete Frisco. <laughs> I made fun of Pete Frisco. I was like, oh, because we were doing like halftime updates on our on our scoreboard show, and I was like. 
Oh, wow, Pete. I was like, look, they inserted uh, the Jaguars' first-round pick at quarterback in Buffalo, and he's having a terrible day. He's like, you haven't watched the game. You haven't watched the game. He's been great. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, and then Josh Allen actually ended up saving the day, hitting Smokey Brown for a long 38-yard touchdown that gave him seven catches for 123 yards and, and, and a score. Pretty really nice day for him. Uh, Sam Darnold was, yeah, maybe on Bell. Yeah. Jamison Crowder, 17 targets, 14 receptions, 99 yards, PPR monster. Uh, what do we, what do we think about this breach? This, uh, uh, I think the big takeaway here is that Adam Gase needs to get out of the AFC East because he can't win <laughs> games there. He blew this game. Like the Jets literally only hired him to make Sam Darnold better, to make the offense better. And the offense was such trash. It was unbelievable. Like they were up 16 to nothing in the second half because their defense got the lead. They got a pick six off Josh Allen, but it was tips. It wasn't Josh Allen's fault. Defense safety Josh Allen. Uh, so now it's eight to nothing. And then the defense, I think, set up the touchdown that put them up 16 to nothing. And this was just like total nonsense. The Jets couldn't do anything. Like the Jets offense looks so bad. We expect that from the Bills. So like the fact that the Bills were able to put 17 points up in the second half was mildly surprising. But I think the unit that surprised me the most and looked the best in this entire game was the Bills' defense because they only gave up eight points of those 16. I was just said the Jets' scored defense scored eight of them. And, and they just shut the Jets down. And I know we've talk, been talking about how the Bills could be the second-best team in the, this division, and now I'm absolutely convinced of this. Josh Allen looked decent. He'll only get better, and the Bills' defense is awesome. You remember? You know that, that athletic story about how um, Adam Gase doesn't sleep and – left his wife as soon as she gave birth to their child and works 20 hour days and keeps a spreadsheet of everything and all this. He's just got to be more efficient with his time, man, because if he's spending 20 hours to drop these screens on like third and seven and all these dump offs, like get some sleep. If you're going to be this terrible of a play caller when you're allegedly an offensive mastermind and you're going to kill yourself by making spreadsheets about your little terrible swing passes and screens, I, I, I don't get it. And, if we're taking victory laps, I didn't like the hiring at the time because I didn't think he was good in Miami. Um, I thought his success in Chicago that one year as the offensive coordinator was a little bit overstated. So I don't think he's the answer there. Um, I mean, Sam Darnold averaged 4.3 yards per attempt. It's a, a terrible game. Sean, I was just saying real quick, I'm glad you brought that up because my one gripe, I started the Bills defense and got sidetracked. Adam Gates, they were up 16 to nothing. And they still called 41 passes and only 21 runs. You have Le'Veon Bell. You just gave him $57 million, even if Adam Gase didn't want to pay him. And they did not run the ball at all. I don't know what team with a 16-point lead calls twice as many passes as runs. So, yes, you are right. Not efficient with his play. The Bills had four turnovers and six possessions in the first half, to get to your point, John. Sam Darnold was amazing in the preseason, so I was excited to see how this worked out. And as Sean sort of alluded to, Adam Gase – ate too many tacos and went crazy. I don't know what he's doing. I would also like to point out, and John, I'm going to throw you under the bus for this. You were all over some team trading for Vedvik. They traded him to Minnesota. He got cut. They sent him to new uh, to the Jets. He missed a kick. What happened to that dude? Yeah, I believe Breach called the Bears like idiots for not offering whatever the Ravens wanted for too. this guy. You can't just be keep changing environments if you're a kicker. That's not easy. <laughs> okay. What happened in Minnesota? He got beat out by Dan Bailey. <laughs> Actually, what happened in Minnesota is that he missed a couple of field goals in the preseason. Mike Zimmer 
uh, was like, I'm going to go with the guy that lost a bunch of games for us last year and only hit 75% of his field goals. Uh, uh, lastly, Levian Bell had a nice catch and a nice two-point conversion catch, but again, he was not used enough. I hope we're not. So the one thing I'll say about Darnold and Jets is, to Breach's point, this Bills defense is really good. They were the second-best defense last year, I believe, um, and it kind of just flew under the radar because their offense was so bad that they lost in blowouts no matter what. Um, so I think maybe you can excuse the Jets with that. The one thing I'll say is that I... This is going to be very on brand to me, but I hope we're not using this as a Josh Allen victory lot because I don't think Josh Allen was particularly good in this game. He had four turnovers, so let's not let's said, slow the. You said the one thing I'll say twice. You said two things. Oh yeah, Brinson, you of all people probably can't understand how someone might go off on extra tangents and have more to say than they initially planned. All right, well that'll do it. That's every game we covered. Every single game of the NFL schedule. We will be back. Brenton, uh, that's not funny. <laughs> I'm not laughing. No one's laughing. Do you want to talk about the Bengals' loss? Jeremy? How are you going to let are everyone take forward? their victory lap and just leave me hanging under the bleachers, not letting me take my victory wait, lap, wait, 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 so wait. I can dunk on everyone? You're taking a Bengals loss as a victory lap? This just shows the expectations you have. I am taking saying Andy Dalton is going to set incredible passing records and be an MVP candidate, set it all offseason. I am taking that victory lap. You know who led the NFL in passing in week one, Sean? I'll give you one guess. Andrew Dalton. Was it really? More passing yards than anyone against just a better a, defense. Uh, Dak Prescott had 400 yards against the Giants. Andrew, Anybody can do that. Andy let's, Dalton let's did it in Seattle. Andrew MVP, Gregory Dalton. MVP frontrunner candidate. What was the – what do you think Andy Dalton's going to be? No, I said he would put up record-setting numbers and that he would thrive. MVP a second ago. You, you uh, use the word – All right, fine. I'll stick with it. I said he would thrive in Zach Taylor's offense. I, and what about I, I, MVP? Sean, Sean, Sean. You're being a little too taunty here. Didn't stop. Didn't. No, didn't. You know. I'm just asking for clarification. Let's be, let's be a little more, a little bit more of a grown up, a little bit less of a, uh, a little bit less of a taunter. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do, th- I do think the breach can take a victory lap here because the Bengals went into Seattle and they they lost. They lost 21 to uh, 20. 21 to 20. To they the dominated Seattle. that game though. They should have won that game. And and Zach, if Zach Taylor's unlocked John Ross, I mean like what like. How did how did he do that? John Ross is was coach of the year material. If you can do that, he thir, Andy Dalton thirty five of fifty one for four hundred eighteen yards against a good Seattle defense that put, was putting pressure on him. John Ross caught seven balls on twelve targets for one hundred fifty eight yards and two touchdowns. Joe uh, Mixon was hurt. He didn't play most of the game. Yep. Giovanni Bernard, the guy you grab away. No AJ Green, and he still threw for four hundred. And the Bengals and the Bengals defense was good, really good. Way exceeded expectations. And that was the biggest surprise. But here's the thing: is here's, that the Bengals did blow this game. They here's, had, a, here's a hot take for you: the Browns are the worst team in the AFC North. That's fair. I buy it. I don't buy it. So here, but, here, let me just say real quick on this game: is that because I do kind of want to take my victory lap because Andy Dalton threw for 418 yards against the Seattle Seahawks, which, like, I'm still amazed. I already thought this was like. He is the greatest redhead in all of history, human history, not just like NFL history. Uh, and I did say all offseason that he would thrive in Zach Taylor's system. And people were like, oh, maybe we should cut him. He's going to put up huge numbers this year. And the Bengals might only win six or seven games. I still think they will. I've been saying eight and eight at best. I, you know, I don't think they're going to the playoffs, but I think they're way better than everybody thinks they are. And here's the thing about John Ross. 
Remember that story earlier this offseason? Hey, the Bengals are looking to trade him. I remember at the Combine, Duke Tobin got asked about it and just, like, rolled his eyes. He's like, we're keeping John Ross. Like, looking back on it, it was thinking, hey, Zach Taylor's got a huge role for him. And I think the fact that what we saw, what was it, 158 yards, two touchdowns. So now once you have A.J. Green healthy, and if Joe Mixon's ankle isn't that bad, all of a sudden you have one of the most potent offenses in the NFL. They're going 7-9, guys. I don't want to. Dalton's winning MVP, first MVP ever on a losing team. I'm not gonna, I don't wanna, John's happy, and I don't wanna rain on his parade. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy for John, so I'm not gonna. Try rain on it. Pretend he's Josh. Let me throw two more things in. Dalton did fumble. They drove down the Seahawks 12 yard line. Well, the second one wasn't a fumble, it was a trash call by the officials. Uh, but they drove down to the 12 yard line, and they could have scored. A touchdown or field goal would have been helpful, because obviously they lost by one point. Dalton got sacked, lost a fumble. And then also kicker Randy Bullock missed a 45 yard field goal. And obviously in a one-point game, that is a devastating kick. So two huge errors in a game where they put up 196 more yards of offense than the Seahawks. Uh, I was going to point out the fumbles. The other thing I'll point out, and it's nitpicking because this happens in a lot of games, but we're talking about unlocking John Ross and how many yards Andy Dalton threw for. One of the big touchdowns was a pass that was lobbed up that any competent safety besides Tedrick Thompson – intercepts and he just completely misjudged it i mean that that was just an error that ball. came after john ross dropped a pass that also probably should have been touched right, right. So that's why i said it's nitpicking other out, man. i said it's nitpicking so. well i think that we should end this right now with the debate next week who would you rather have andy dalton or mitchell trubisky andy Dalton. oh who are they playing andy dalton who are they i just playing? want to, I, I want to point out that who would you rather have quarterbacking the bears next hey. week john against against the anybody whoever they're playing Bengals are playing the 49ers would you have dalton or trubisky well, uh, the 49ers. For one game, for one game, Andy Dalton. Russian quarterbacks. So that's right. Andy Dalton. Okay, I was going to move past the Bengals because I feel like we should talk about the Seahawks. And what struck out to me about the Seahawks is <laughs> the Seahawks played the Cowboys in the playoffs last that, year. That's the ultimate slap in the face to breach is you're like, I'm going to move Bengals past this crap to... team and uh, move along to the Seahawks. No, I don't wanna... no it's fair. They're, they're the playoff contender. They're the at- – Ryan's the end of the I'm happy for Breach. He's scoring 20 points, and he's happy about that. I'm not going to rain on his parade about that. I'm a little bit concerned about the Seahawks because we just spent, me and Brinson spent a lot of time talking about how the Cowboys have seemingly learned from the mistakes of their offense and evolved. And these two teams played in the playoffs last year, and it was a very classic example of the Seahawks trying to establish the run late in the game, even when they were losing. And they came out here today, and they did the exact same thing. I mean, they were running the ball in second and 14, and it felt like we're talking about the Cowboys learning from their mistakes and evolving. It doesn't feel like the Seahawks have moved from their mistakes and evolved. And, look, Tyler Lockett got two targets the entire game, and one of them was a 44-yard touchdown. The other one was a deep ball that he dropped. And it just seems like you have Russell Wilson, and they're so intent on just running the ball. Um that I feel like this is going to come back to haunt them, and I picked them to win the division over the Rams. I think they're a better team than the Rams, but the one thing the Rams have going for them is they have Sean McVay as a play caller, and the Seattle Seahawks do not. They have the opposite of Sean McVay. And I do want to say something real quick to what Sean just said about Tyler Lockett, is that he only got two targets because the Bengals were basically double-teaming him. They were hovering over him the entire game, and nobody had really done that. Lockett even said after the game, I haven't really been double-teamed since college. And what happens when you take out the Seahawks' number one receiver? Russell Wilson almost seemed confused. What he ended up doing was dumping a bunch of passes off to Chris Carson and then hoping Chris Carson could do something, but he couldn't really go downfield. So if the Seahawks don't get that fix, 
that's that's a huge uh, dynamic that kind of changes with their offense because they need that to kind of go with their run. Uh, so it was interesting to see Lockett taken out of their offense completely. I would point out that DK Metcalf had 89 yards and four catches, so they they seem to work around it. But to both of your points, Russell and, Wilson and wore a Steve Largent jersey in the in the uh, yeah. In the that Nice throw back there. Russell Wilson was only 14 to 20. The difference between the Cowboys and the Seahawks is that Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator last year. The Cowboys obviously graduated to Kellen Moore. And as long as Schottenheimer's there, he's going to run the ball. He's made that abundantly clear. Pete Carroll and his white Nikes and super tight khaki slacks don't seem to care. So until something happens, the highest paid quarterback in the league is going to throw the ball 15 times a game. All right. There you have it. That's the week one recap. We got to get out of here. That's an hour and 42 minute podcast. Good guy, sorry, Debo. No, it's fine. Debo said if we were doing video, they would have shut off the lights. But that's all right. We, we, look, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I thought the week one, first of all, that was a fun show. Secondly, there was like a ton of like storylines. There's just a ton of stuff that came out of that first week of the season. I hope it is, it was robust, if you will, guys. I hope it's indicative of, uh, of what we're going to get for the rest of the season, although we'll have to tighten up these Sunday night shows a little bit. If we're going to do video, reminder that you should subscribe. And be prepared tomorrow for a bonus podcast with uh, Jared Dubin that will drop uh, in the mid-afternoon range. I'll be recording with Jason Lacafora and Jared Dubin, and we will uh, we'll talk to them. Maybe we'll have Ryan on, too, just because Ryan wants to get up and talk to me some more. Uh, in the meantime, talk to you guys uh, later this afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm.